Welcome everyone to this bonus episode of The Native Immigrants. You're probably wondering, why is there a bonus episode? Well, we couldn't wait to talk about this particular subject matter until next season. It had to happen right now. That's because we're talking about one of the most incredibly popular podcasts in the world right now, after hours. That is Sweet Bobby by Tortoise Media. And it tells the story of a young lady that got catfished over the course of a 10-year period. It's a gripping podcast series, and we're lucky enough to be joined in the second half of this show by Girat Asi, the lady behind the whole podcast itself. Now, before you listen to this episode, we strongly encourage you to listen in to the six-part series of Sweet Bobby itself because this episode is going to give away so many spoilers. So make sure you listen to the full series, Sweet Bobby, before listening in to our interview. You also get a chance to hear yours truly, Swami Barakas, detail his own catfish traumatic experience for the first time ever. So make sure you listen in to the full episode. In the meantime, follow us on at Native Immigrants with a single M on Twitter and at the Native Immigrants Podcast on Instagram. The Native Immigrants are in the building. Hit the music. And welcome to this bonus episode of The Native Immigrants. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hello. Well, that was a long wait, wasn't it? It was. It's been so long. Honestly, people, we've missed you. We've missed you so, so much. Very much. That's why we couldn't stay away. Yeah, this prolonged absence has made the heart grow fonder. And we're very, 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 very happy to be back. A week later <laughs> than the end of our previous episode, which was the season finale. Uh, ish. ish. Well, yeah, ish. Ish. Uh, yeah, we've come back very soon afterwards, um, completely unintentionally. Just because we love it. We love doing this shit and we had something to talk about that had to be spoken about. Yeah, I, it was one of those things where we did contemplate discussing this next season yeah when we come out for season five but no i said no we have to talk about it now you said no yeah exactly after after being the one that was like vehemently we're done with the podcast now. yeah i was season. like i'm having a break i'm done with this i'm tired now but this has to be spoken about now yeah it has to be spoken about now because it's something that's very fresh in my mind your mind because, yeah so we'll make sure we don't forget about it later on <laughs> like having to listen to it again Again and again to keep it in our minds. Yes. But also because it is one of the most hotly discussed, well, we'll give it away, podcasts of the current time. Yes. Aside from ours, yes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Aside of the native immigrants, this podcast series has been discussed, questioned, contemplated, gasped upon. It's... uh it's gripping. It's gripping. I mean, use the word gripping a lot because yes. there's no better word. It's gripping. 
Yeah, it's 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 been an incredible listen, and we just got a chance to finish it ourselves uh, a couple of weeks ago, and honestly, uh, our jaws were pretty much on the ground. Um, and each episode just takes you onto this emotional roller coaster, this journey uh, yeah. of this lady's life. Now, the lady in question is a, a lady called Kirat Asi. Yes. Kirat is a friend of ours. She is. And I guess that kind of made it all the more, I don't know, the connection to her story made it that much more apparent for us. It made it sickening. I felt really nauseous, in fact, actually listening to some of it and hearing some of the things that that she had to go through. Yeah. Um, and I think I might have felt like that, even if it had been a random, but knowing that it was someone that we have been close to. Yeah. Um, just made it all the more horrifying. Yeah. It just felt so close to home and it felt horrendous that someone that we cared about had mm -hmm. gone through something like this. Absolutely. Um, what she actually went through herself was uh, a long period, almost 10 years of, in essence, it was catfishing. But yeah. I think this is way more than that. We're talking about, you know, coercive control. We're talking about there's blackmail, black, emotional blackmail, emotional blackmail. It was one of the most like severe cases of catfishing. And, and, and catfishing is something that I guess the last kind of decade as well has been like one of the big crimes for me uh, on social media. But it's like, it's such a pop culture term. Mm. It feels so like urban dictionary yeah. that when you see, when you hear catfish, you don't really take it that seriously. Yeah. And then when you actually understand what it really means mm. and the extent to which it can get to. Yes. Um, then you realize just how awful yeah. it is as a as a crime as, as something that people will inflict on you mm. um it's horrendous it isn't yeah absolutely and i think you know for the people that are suffering the victims of catfishing we see these shows like you know catfish on mtv and we saw the documentary that came out uh, almost yeah pretty much a decade ago as well yeah uh and it's you know it's it's sometimes it's laughed off and it's you know they they look they find some of the perpetrators involved and they kind of poke holes at them and say and it's like oh you know it's a dating thing oh you know they're pretending to be really pretty and then it turned out to be you know someone's mom or whatever not the moms aren't pretty girls. but you know what i mean like it just kind of was it wasn't they didn't look the way that they said they looked yeah exactly which is which is probably, you know, which is not nice either for the person who has been duped. Yeah. But I think that's the very kind of um, the light end yeah. of that. Exactly. But with Girit's story and her case in particular, it takes it to a whole different direction. And in Sweet Bobby, this, this podcast series, you really get to the grips of the entire, like, the backstory behind her particular experience and how this uh, this story evolves over the course of 10 years and it just gets more and more intense and by the end of it you feel so emotionally involved as well mm. and, and really empathize with Girat over this so as we mentioned she she was and is a friend of ours but we were very close 
for a number of years, I guess in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Yeah. And, you know, we used to socialize a lot yeah. during that time. Um, and... You and her more so. I kind of um, got to know her when we got together. Yeah, exactly. Um, but your friendship had been a long time before that as well. And so um, you were really close. Definitely. Yeah. So we used to, yeah, we used to see each other always in the same venues. And then, um, you know, you get to know people and she's a great person. And we used to socialize. We used to go out and have like crazy, like, you know, like long trips to events and award shows and, and all sorts. And just, yeah. We, adventures. Adventures. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, we used to, you know, confide in each other a lot um, during that time on these on these long trips. And, you know, got to know her really well. And we invited her to our wedding yeah. as well. And um, she didn't come to the wedding, uh, didn't let me know why, didn't hear from her at all thereafter. Yeah, she just kind of disappeared. Yeah. And so that was, for me, it was really disappointing. And I I never really questioned her on it at the time. Uh, and that just turned into weeks and months and years. And it was only in 2018 that I finally heard from her. So that was almost a good like four years after our wedding. Mm. And, you know, she called and she apologized for not being in touch uh, and gave me a, a brief um, synopsis of what happened with her. And I didn't really even grasp the severity of the situation initially when she told me about this. Yeah. Um, I was I was more kind of like, you know, just a bit taken aback to hearing from her after so long. Yeah. And we had a lot of stuff going on in 2018. I had been very sick during the pregnancy and stuff so yeah, i think i'll kind of yeah your attention hadn't properly gone onto that and what had actually been happened hadn't what had happened to her hadn't really sunk in for you i don't think in that yeah, conversation and of course so obviously we were in the process of having our, our lad at that point and stuff so I, I had more important things to kind of deal with and kirit was a story in the past for me at that point an old you know? friend an yeah. old friend yeah that just reconnected <laughs> yeah. um and so I didn't really think anything of it. And we've been in touch here and there ever since. But it's only really after listening to Sweet Bobby, the podcast series, that I've got a chance to see the real reason why she took a step away, not just from me, but from pretty much a whole friend circle and so much of a family. Um, because it it's just a, an unbelievable story. Uh, and we reconnected thereafter. I spoke to her about this. And um, I'm just, yeah, I'm really glad that she's come out on the other side and it's still a long journey for her to to recover from it um, and to reclaim her life. But uh, she's doing all the right things to enable that to happen. And that's by talking about her story and yeah. talking about her experience. And it's, yes, we had a lot of stuff going on at that time when she spoke to you and stuff, but it's a shame that like we didn't really grasp just how much her life had been affected at that point mm. and that we couldn't have been more there for her yeah absolutely. Um, but yeah there's there's nothing we can do to make amends for that now apart from be there for her now exactly exactly yeah. um and so yeah we'll be making up for lost time uh going forward for sure and um yeah it was great to speak to her in the second half of this show where she discusses sweet bobby and uh the everything that's come out of it from there and some hidden truths um, and gives her side of the story uh, with really no filters. And, you know, mm. it's it was important for us to speak to her about it, not just um, cathartically, because it was great for us to, you know, just put our feelings out in the open about our own relationship with her. Yeah. 
um, but also gave her an opportunity to address a few things that she didn't get a chance to do on the podcast Sweet Bobby itself. Yeah, and we have to be, I think everyone who listens to Sweet Bobby has to be aware of the fact that it went on for such a long time mm. that what we hear is only the tip of the iceberg, I guess. It's the main part of the story. Like it's, you know, it's the thread that we need to understand. Yeah. We'll never know the detail yeah. because there's just too many years worth of detail for exactly. us, for, for us to, to ever really understand the ins and outs. And I know lots of people have questions about it and stuff and we cover some of those in the second half, but it's, um, we always need to bear in mind that we'll never really truly understand what she went through because unless we were there like unless it's all documented and we could go through it all yeah and we had the time to do all of that yeah um there's no real way of kind of knowing exactly what was going on and, and understanding every single moment of it which is what i think people really want to know yeah they exactly. want to know well how did this happen and how did that happen hmm. but sweet bobby i mean how the whole story is unraveled in that and explained in that Big shout out to Alexi Mostros for being able to do that and kind yeah. of, you know, explaining it all to us. Yeah, yeah. They did a fantastic job in conveying this piece. And um, yeah, major salutes to the team involved. Uh, big, big kudos, obviously, to Girat for, for being so brave, being really brave and open and, um, you know, sharing her experience and her story with the world. It's got a million downloads worldwide so it, this podcast is not a joke and the amount of people talking about it, it is only a good thing because a lot of people opening up about their experiences and their stories involving catfishing and being victims of it um and what it also enabled was for myself mm. to look back at an experience that happened in my life a long, long time ago. And I haven't really spoken about it uh, purely because I, after it all finished and all unraveled, I pretty much buried it under the carpet. And but why was that? Was that because you were so traumatized by it? Was it because of embarrassment? Like what, what made you bury it and not want to talk about it? Uh, so it's a combination of, of two things, a little bit of shame, uh, because of feeling that I'd hurt people and not because it was my fault, but people within my family that were affected by, by me going through this, uh, and thinking it was one thing and it actually ended up being something else brought an element of shame. And also I think once it was done with and dealt with i'm you run know me already as soon as something bad happens in my life i close that book and i move on from it and that means like potentially cutting people out of my life that yeah. are bring negativity towards it or experiences within my life that you know i just want to like erase and be done with and move on from mm. and i guess that was a younger me whereas an older me now one hopefully wouldn't get in, <laughs> allow himself to kind of get involved in anything like that. Although, and like we already know with catfishing, it discriminates against nobody and it affects anybody. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, for me, it was a time in my life that it was a dark period. I was very vulnerable emotionally. When was it? Like, do you remember the year? Okay. So, yeah. So this, I experienced catfishing uh, and for almost the good part of a year, uh, back in 2008. So this was even before catfishing was even a, a term. It was like two years before 
the catfishing documentary came out and okay. so I didn't even know it was a, it was a thing you know and and I hadn't I hadn't heard anyone else even have something like that's happened in their life until catfishing came along and then you saw oh mm. actually there's 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 other people that have fallen victim to this as well yeah except mine wasn't a romantic catfish the way a lot of them are on the tv show and mm. a lot of what you hear on some of these shows where these guys get conned because there's a younger lady that's kind of messaging them asking for their bank details and things like <laughs> that uh and they get duped in and all that kind of stuff which you see a lot of obviously mm. uh mine was absolutely not that it was uh someone i'd met uh through i can't remember which it might have been myspace or facebook so long ago now but i met this girl met loads of girls back in the day obviously mm. uh but i was one of those stupid people that if anyone messaged me or kind of sent me an inbox or a dm or something i'd always kind of reply uh get into conversations yeah unnecessarily mm. and i think that was that's a, not necessarily a flaw because i'm quite an open person and i just like to talk to people you're a friendly person yeah yeah and all those sites were almost a way of connecting with people and different people from anywhere around the world and so you just get talking to people just as you do. Yeah. Uh, but obviously not everyone is there with good intentions. Mm. But, you know, I take people on face value. Mm -hmm. And so met this girl on there. Wasn't attracted to her at all. Mm. I'm just a good natured guy chatting to her at that point. And I was already with like my ex at that point as well. Yeah. You know, so I definitely wasn't wanting to get involved with anybody else, especially someone that wasn't even attracted to. Yeah. But we just got talking um, and, you know, just as you do. And then the, obviously more conversations you have with somebody, mm -hmm. you just kind of build up a nice rapport with them. Yeah. Uh, and um, we actually met a couple of times as well. Okay, um, so you met them. Yeah. yeah, this person was a real life person. Yeah. It was the same face in real life as there was on their profile picture yeah so i i guess that it's a, it's a real person yeah. <laughs> unless i was looking at a hologram the whole time but about a year or so after getting to know her and you know talking quite regularly with her and you've been like just friendly yeah like, just like, you know, yeah just, just trying know what are we up to and stuff like how's your weekend and everything and you know she was telling me about some stresses that she was having with family and things like that just just regular regular chats that you kind of have yeah. with people i think probably having friend this, chat yeah i was probably having the same with with you when we were friends uh over that time period as well uh, probably <laughs> you know um but so i was about a year or so afterwards like she she started to message me saying like you know i'm just having some like kind of having, having to have some like hospital visits and things like that um you know hopefully it's nothing too serious um but i'll find out about it um and i was like okay yeah you know hope, let me know hopefully everything's all right it's you know? concerning yeah yeah exactly um and then like she basically said i have to tell you something mm. and so i was like okay um i've got a really bad illness and it's like it's pretty bad uh i've just had it spoken to the doctor about it recently but i'm you know i, I don't trying to find the right way to talk about this because it's um it's really affecting me and it's um yeah it's it's really really big but you know I've, i'm i don't know if i you know want to tell you about it or if you know if you want to hear about it and all this kind of thing i was like well you know tell me then what's what's the matter so yeah then she told me that she's suffering from cancer oh wow and you know i was like just take i was obviously taken aback by it yeah, and i like, was really concerned for her i was like shit this is 
horrendous but i was still saying to, and she was like at this point really upset and crying on the phone when i was talking to her about this okay and um and uh, obviously i'm there comforting her and trying to you know say look it, that doesn't mean you know that you know we're living in a time now where cancer's not like the be all and end all like it was like 50 years ago yeah. like with there's so much advancements in medicine and blah blah and all this kind of thing um at this point did you have any mutuals do you have any like mutual friends no any not connections? really okay, no oh, well, the, the only people she was um probably friends with were like you know like maybe some other artists and things like that you know just like people add like famous people and things like that so there's yeah. probably like a few i would have seen but no one that was like a like a personal friend of mine that was a connection to her okay fine and so i was obviously concerned um and she would continue to tell me about what's happening with her treatments and everything um and you know how it's going and obviously i'd you know be there as a, as a moral support for her as well mm -hmm, um you know there was there was one time where she she was like you know in the midst of like her uh you know having um treatment and things like that we actually met up um as well and you, you know she was she was visibly in pain a lot through the day um okay and so i was you know obviously concerned for her obviously you know at the same time but wanting to be there for her as a friend did she look ill and stuff she kind of like acted obviously this is not like you know into like the, the final stages of oh, cancer yeah, yeah. and stuff Fair but she enough. was yeah. uh she was obviously like suffering in the early stages of it and so it was going to be painful here and there mm. um but you know she she was quite upset over the course of the whole day yeah. um, and so i was there to provide more support for her mm. um and then the longer our conversations went on the cancer got worse and worse oh dear. and it transpired that i was one of the only people that she'd actually told about this and like there was very minimal uh, of her family that were that apart from like her parents uh that were involved so um, none of her family knew um other than her like immediate household members yeah and her friends i don't think okay so basically she had a an on on again off again boyfriend and his boyfriend was very abusive towards her right even during cancer right and so he, he apparently he would continuously try to call her try to see her even get physical with her while she was suffering okay and i and I, this is what kind of like took me back because i was like what like what is anyone doing about this like do you do you want me to come down there and speak to him and all this blah 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 you what yeah because like by this point if someone's telling me if a friend of mine is telling me that a a, a, a boyfriend on again off again boyfriend is abusive towards her and she's suffering from cancer uh -huh. like I, you you have to say something so she was very vulnerable in all aspects absolutely okay, you know fine. um and you know and she would her cancer would just get worse and worse to the point where she couldn't even talk thereafter on the phone and we'd only communicate via text messaging and then basically her mother inverted commas mm. got my number and would also text me from her number so she would be texting and her mum would be texting from yes. another number yeah. right okay fine but i could every time i tried to call those numbers neither of them picked up because she couldn't speak because she was in the hospital and her mother couldn't speak because she was in the ward with her right okay you know so i'd get sporadic messages from the mum a lot from her obviously and this 
went on for a long time. Um, How long? As in, we're talking for the cancer period for a good like six months. So it would be a case of like, she would get a little bit, not better, but Mm. you know, she'd be able to basically speak on the phone a little bit and then it would get worse. And then, and then basically she'd have some more treatment and then it would get a little bit better and then it would get worse. And so it ran over that course for a long period of time. And how often was she getting in touch with you through the day? Um, Text message wise, um, through the day, you know, um, and I was working quite a lot at that point. But my thing was this, I don't know how much longer she's going to be here on this earth. Right. And so if, if she can like talk to me and have some kind of connection to the outside world mm. and for me to provide this kind of emotional support that she needs, mm. I'm going to be there for her through thick and thin, through whatever it takes. And so did you like, if she messaged you, you would answer straight away? Yeah, if it, if it was a case of like, because I'd think, oh my God, something's happened. Right. And so I would immediately get on the phone and this is me during working hours. Right, okay. And throughout the evening when coming back home as well, like, because she'd have nobody because apparently none of her family wanted to get involved in this. Um, her mum was the only person that was there, that was there for her. And she um, had no other and, friends. And she though. had no other friends, no. She had friends, but again, they, they kind of, you know, I don't even think I remember her mentioning them ever coming to see her. Right. And so her whole like backbone in life at that point was me. And so it would it would carry on like this for and and I, and I would you know my nature meant that I couldn't not be there for her yeah. because I just felt if I'm the only person that she's able to connect with and get through with and she's suffering like this. Yeah. Then I'm going to do everything in my power to ensure that however long she's here, you know, provided hopefully that's not terminal, although at various points, it looked like it was getting really, really bad. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, then, then she just have like a, not a miraculous recovery, but she'd get a little bit better. Mm. Um, and I would basically be there for her like on evenings and evenings helping her through it um there would be instances where i would be out with friends mm. and she would be continuously calling and texting me and then a mum would text me saying i think this is it because the doctors are saying i don't, I don't think she's going to have long now would that be when you weren't answering your phone that much yeah yeah or if, she, if i because i'd tell her about what's happening in my life and i'd say i'm seeing some friends tonight and that's when this this episode would happen you know, uh, and I didn't even, like I said, at the time, I didn't even clock that this was this was the case. I didn't even clock that this was happening uh, in that, that it did coincide. So like, you know, meticulously like that. And this went on for six months. This went on for six months. So then. How did it stop? All right. So it was a legitimate miracle um so again i end up meeting a lot of people at that yeah. time uh you know I, I wasn't as active going out uh because i was literally at evenings at the end basically at speaking to her on the phone and the weekends basically i would like spend a long period of that speaking to her on the phone and just being I, there for her i vaguely remember 
being on a night out and you having to leave early. This is yeah. way before we were ever together or anything, but you having to leave early from something very dramatically, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, and very stressed out. That would happen. That happened, probably happened quite a couple of times at Bronx, maybe a few times. Um, just like, a, you know, restaurants, I'd be out with friends, birthday events that I'd be out with friends and I'd get a phone call and a text message and then it would be saying, right, you know, like she's got a really bad turn for the worse and you're the only person she can she wants to speak to. Very um, controlling. Yeah. Very controlling. Okay. Um, you know, one of my friend's weddings, I was there um, and I'll be getting messages and calls while I was there the whole time at the my wedding. God. Uh, and you like it honestly took over my life in, um, you know, and so were you you were with your ex at this point. No, so we basically so just before this whole cancer episode, myself and my ex had split up. Ah, okay. So you had split up, and then the cancer happened. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. So this this was um, and I didn't obviously this wasn't intent intending to get involved in anybody like that. I was in a really bad place. I still yeah. wanted to be with my ex. Yeah. At that point, I was still hoping to get back together with her. Yeah. Um, and I was I was talking to her about this as well. Um, you know, yeah. and so. And then this happened. And so I was already in such an emotional, vulnerable state. Yeah. And this obviously took it over the edge. I just didn't have any respite from feeling really low down because yeah. just split up with my with my ex, feeling really like, you know, heartbroken from that. And also now one of my friends is now passing away from cancer. Yeah. So you were really vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, and a lot, lot of suffering at that time. It was a really dark period for me. And... In a way, I kept thinking, I just wish in a way that like, like there's some end to her pain, an end to her suffering. Yeah. You know, in a selfish way, I was probably the back of my mind thinking, I hope there's an end to the pain for me as well. Yeah. Because it's, it's the Take longer this goes on, it honestly, yeah, it takes its toll yeah. um, on, on us both. Um, but I just wanted to be there for her for as long as I possibly can, because I didn't know how long she'd be here yeah. for. And then I basically met another lady at that point. Um, and she was someone I'd met through the temple, the Hare Krishna temple. We used to like kind of meet, meet quite a bit there. Um, but also like we used to, I saw her out a couple of times as well, nights out. And so yeah. we'd have that like, oh, okay. So I know her from there, but now I also see her here. So there's an immediate connection and yeah. that. And, um, you know, we just kind of got talking and it's kind of, again, just like chilling, like as we're socializing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we added each other on Facebook thereafter. Mm. And I remember one of the first things I saw on this girl's Facebook was this other girl, the one who was suffering from cancer, was a mutual friend. Ah, so now you've got a mutual connection. Yes. Right. Uh, that. That me friend requesting this lady was the one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life mm. <laughs> because it changed the whole dynamic of this whole experience. Um, because I um I saw that this other girl was a connection, and you know, like a few days later, I didn't want to speak to her about it straight away, um, yeah. but you know, I I messaged her and said, um, oh, I noticed that you know, this so-and-so is, is a friend of yours and stuff. Mm. It's just, you know, really sad and currently what's happening with her. Have you spoken to her about, you know, her, what she's going through? Yeah. Um, 
and so this new friend said um what what do you mean what's happened and i said you know she's suffering from cancer mm. um i don't know if you know about this you know probably it's not in my place to say but you know she's she's really ill and she's suffering from cancer mm. and she was like no she's not like my sister just was at work with her yesterday <laughs> what the fuck so i was a little bit taken back by this i'm thinking no i don't think we're talking about the same person because this the one the girl i'm talking about is clearly suffering and she's been suffering from like cancer for the last like six or seven months now yeah she was like no seriously if you're talking about the same girl then that's not the case i can speak to my sister about it now uh and confirm wow. that with you and so she asked me to send her a picture like just to make sure that it's the same person yeah i sent her a picture of the two of us together on mm -hmm. this like day out that we went on same girl and so immediately i'm just like what is happening here and so i went around to see like my new friend um and we I sat down and I spoke to her and her sister mm. and they were both like, no, seriously, you know, she's like, we work together. Um, like she, like, so studied together, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're like, they work together as well on like jobs in the weekend and stuff like that. She's seeing her week in week out for the last few weeks. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with her. Okay. And so at this point I'm, I'm like, and she wasn't like, there's no way that she could have been hiding it because she'd been in hospital. She couldn't speak. She was too weak to speak, all of that. So you'd expect her to be obviously too ill to study and to work. Yeah. And, you know, and to be like socializing and up and about. You'd, ex she'd, if, logically speaking, she'd be kind of very frail looking and stuff. Yeah. Well, she'd be, be she was bedridden. Yeah. She was okay, bedridden fine. for pretty much the whole time. Right. And her mum was texting me to almost verify this. Right. Okay that this is what's happening and she's still in hospital and she's in a really, really bad way and she's going to go any minute now. Okay. And so I'm... And then, and then these girls are like, no, she's healthy, well, working, studying, out in, in the world. Yes. So this absolutely floors me. And I'm telling you, it's... Unless this is an understatement, but I was just confused, bewildered, shocked, angered... Like, like just every all everything all the emotions. Yeah, yeah at the same time i just couldn't quite fathom what i was hearing yeah you know um and i just for me it was like so what what have i been who have i been talking to what's been happening why has this been happening to me yeah you know and what and what is she trying to do and why is she doing this and so i had to confront her i had to find a way to speak to her face to face about this because I've just like wasted the, almost a year of my life yeah. being like on the phone to her, like throughout the evenings, having like text message conversations through the day while I'm working. Like my, 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 my mom used to get upset when I used to tell her about this, this story and seeing my mom upset over it. We used to like, you know, just like traumatize me. Yeah. Obviously, um, you, you know, then the idea of someone that is your child's age being so sick and, you know, and your child being very upset about it would obviously make a mother upset as well because it's a horrendous thought to think anyone so young would be, you know, Suffering on their deathbed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, I, I needed to speak to this girl. I needed to find a way to speak to her. Mm. So 
like my my new friend um and her sister basically coordinated um basically she was actually in hospital for a quick little one-off visit uh, right, because she okay. was having some stomach problems or something very something really minor okay um and they found out about it through a family that she was in hospital so they said to her to our family oh we'd love to visit her and make sure she's okay and our family like yeah of course no problem at all come pop by and stuff she'd love to see you guys mm. so they'd arranged this hospital visit and i made sure yours truly tagged along oh wow with this um and i was like i didn't even know like what i would say or what i would think in, on seeing her um it it was a real like and she had no inkling that she you, had absolutely no inkling so she i didn't to, know that you knew your new friend yes she right. had yeah she she didn't know about this and i didn't let on to her like so i i was having conversations with her full fully well knowing that she's absolutely lying to me but you continued the yeah uh, the charade yeah which is really difficult for me but just Obviously, shows yeah. What a stupendous actor I can um, <laughs> I actually am. Um, I mean, I'm laughing about this all now, but at the time it was just a horrendous, horrendous experience for me. Yeah. Um, and you know, I haven't like this is the first time I'm ever speaking about it publicly. I think we've only spoken about it once before. You told me a long time ago about it, and then we never spoke about it again. Yeah, I've I've it's I've buried it. In, I've it's been such a, a a part a big part of my past, but it's my past, and it's been. You know, it's been locked up in this this drawer in my emotive spirit, um, and never having thought about it again. And and me speaking about it now, it just brings it all back, um, and all the little like nuances and little things that used to happen back in that that period of time. So I. So what happened at the yeah, hospital? So I basically so we got to the hospital, and. Like we obviously found the ward that she was in and her family were all there sitting around and kind of like, you know, and, and the, as we kind of walked in, the two girls went first and then I followed and the horror on her face in seeing me my God. was honestly a, a sight to behold. She knew the game was up. Yeah. Um, and obviously her family were like, oh, it's amazing to see you guys. And this is, uh, you know, this is our friend Himesh. And he's like, oh, okay, lovely to meet you and all this kind of thing. And they were like, oh, we're about to leave anyway. So we'll leave you guys to it. So we'll catch up with you soon. So, so the, her family left. Her family left. Right. And it was in this room, myself, my new friend and her sister, and this girl. And I basically just said, ladies, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to... Um, speak with her alone uh, mm. if you don't mind waiting outside this shouldn't take too long and they were like you sure Are you sure Are you sure I was like yes and so they left the room to leave both me and her alone in this room I'm, I mean this is big because you're confronting somebody who has been emotionally manipulating you yeah and you know as as the term that we've learned is coercive control they've, yes. they've been controlling you yeah this whole time um this has got to be big to be you know facing that person that person um what did you want to say to her this is the thing so i i had all these it, like things that i wanted to say it was like a speech rehearsed yeah <laughs> yeah not so much a speech rehearsed, but i had in my mind like if i ever met her like what i would say to her basically and and now given this opportunity there's so much that I potentially could have said to her, mm. you know, 
but I I remember at the time just kind of like I I never really fully got an explanation from her of why she did all this. She did mention like that look I was you know she still tried to play a little like lie to me kind of saying you know like obviously like you know the, the thing with the cancer um you know was was big but now things are getting serious for me in a different way and I was like that we already your parents have already told us you've got a stomach problem and be out in a few days so why are you lying to me you know so she I, tried to continue yes wow yeah so it was that's one I just like kind of said look like you need some help um I I don't think I, I think whatever it is that you've either experienced before in your life or whether there's something within your own mind that needs addressing you need some serious help um you know and like I just I just for me you know what it was I, I looked at on this hospital bed and it could have been any other place in time and everything that we'd spoken about and the way she'd manipulated everything and, and it taken such a massive toll on me but in the end I just I just felt sorry for her you know and I, and, I, and, I, and I just thought to myself there's so much I can say and I could shout at her and I could scream at her and I could really you know like really emphasize like how much she like honestly like ruined my life um you know for a, a whole year that just got taken away from me yeah but at the end of it I just thought I'm gonna walk away from you now and you need me more than I need you yeah the the hole in your life for me not being there even if she's got other friends in her life even if she's got other people too close to she's probably still with like you know her, her on again off again boyfriend might even still be they would still probably have been together if Who knows? he existed in the first place well exactly exactly yeah. well um i just thought this is like taken over your life and so me not being a part of it is the bigger punishment hmm. and so i was like you know like goodbye pretty much you know um i like i can walk away from here uh you know knowing that i'm going to be in a better place after this yeah you took back your power yeah but you won't yeah you know and i left you know and and the girls basically said like what happened what happened and i was just like there's not much i could really say to her because everything that she wanted to take, everything she wanted, which was that control, she completely lost. Yeah. And once you've lost your power, it renders you meaningless. Yeah. And so I I walked away from there. And then there was a few times she tried to call me afterwards and like tried to apologize. I remember once no while I was out with my with my new friend and stuff and we were out and about and she tried to call and, and say these things. Uh, and, you know, I... I didn't have didn't want any part of it and that's the last i ever saw her or heard from her once after that i blocked all the numbers took her off all my socials haven't seen or heard from her again so when was that was this like 2009 this was 2009 yeah okay. must have been early maybe 2009 possibly or maybe even late 2008 wow um and you know what i i spoke to a few people about it at the time and this is one thing that was really um that got to me at that point the 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 close friends that i had in my life and around that time period they they knew that i was suffering because a friend of mine was suffering from cancer but because i never used to come out so much because i 
um, you know, left nights out because of this kind of thing. They mm. all walked away from me. And they're not so good friends then. Well, these are people I've known for a long time, like yeah. a long period, like a good like 15 years before then, you know, people are just socialized with week in, week out. And, you know, none of them um, were there for me when I was at my lowest ebb. Yeah. And I realized very, very quickly, like who your true friends are. Um, and I'll, you know, like I said, I'll be forever grateful to my new friend. Hopefully she's listening because I told her I talk about it on this podcast because um, uh, she's she saved me in that situation. And um, I don't know how much longer I would have been entrapped well, like that. It's really scary because the parallels to Gilad's story are, it, you know, like they're there, aren't they? And they're yeah. so obvious to see. And you can just, it could have gone on. Yeah. And she could have done to you what was done to Girat. Yes, indeed. And and that is that's scary. It, it, honestly, that's very think... scary because that was just a fortunate moment that you met someone yeah, who exactly. knew the truth. An absolute the legitimate stroke of luck. On yeah. my, on, honestly a stroke of luck because when you have when you don't have any other connections friends wise to what's happening in the truth. And unless you're kind of out and about and see them, you know, randomly, um, how is that ever going to end? How is that? How is that ever going to be? I didn't even know what her end goal was. I didn't even know what her objective was at the end of it. You know, it was obviously a way of controlling me and and taking possession of my life. Yeah. For however long that she could do this, and you know, people, I see people talking about Sweet Bobby and and talking about Gareth, and you know. People might mention the word like gullible, like they're you know vulnerable, they're easily like manipulated, and all these kind of things. I mean, seeing so many of that, I was not that kind of person, and neither is Girat. But this is how abusers work, though, isn't it? And this is a form of abuse. So abusers will gain your trust; they will become a part of your life. They yeah. will be lovely and friendly, and you know, and just become an. A, a, you know, a nice part of your life and then eventually become a big part of your life. And then once they're a big part of your life, they start then to slowly show their true colours and start to, you know, mm. the manipulation starts, the the kind of um attempts to control start. Yeah. And and this is a catfishing is just a a a kind of virtual way of doing that yeah you know whether that's over the phone or via the internet or whatever it it's the same way that an abuser will work in person yeah but and, it, it's not even this is the thing like you know i when you people talk about the word catfish and the catfish just turns it into this kind of like this 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 joke or this kind of like well, pop an, culture reference yeah. and stuff and, it, and this is not what this was it's it's, emotional abuse yeah exactly uh and, you know, you don't even realize it's happening to you because it's you're you're doing it out of your good nature. Mm. And they people tap into your nature and and use that back at you and tap into all your vulnerabilities yeah. and um and entrap you because yeah. of it, you know? Like like with anybody, if if a close friend of mine, if we were, were good friends at that point and stuff before yeah. we got together, years before we got together, if you told me you were suffering from cancer, I would have done the same thing for you. 
Because why would you, when you know someone and you already have a relationship with someone and the same goes if you kind of sort of know someone, but you know, you have mutual connections. Yeah. You kind of think, oh, there's a level of trust there. Why would I ever really need to question this? If someone tells me they're not very well, they're not very well. Exactly. You know, like, why would you be like, well, show me the proof then. Where's your doctor's note? Exactly. You know, where's your x-rays and all your test results? And you don't do no that, one do you? Ever, no one ever says that. No one, and you like, you'd be really insensitive to say something like that to anyone. Exactly. Especially someone that's a good friend of yours. Yeah. And so if they're opening up to me about their their dilemmas and their um, their medical trauma, then obviously I'm going to be there for you. And then their mom's like, oh, do you know what? Like my daughter's going through this and she said that you're a good friend. So, um, you know, can you be there for her or whatever? Exactly. The thing is, you know what? When you're in that in that element, you never question it. And I think that's the that's the key thing. Were there times during that point of time where I just thought, this is really far-fetched? Yes, absolutely. So you did think that? Of course I did. Yeah. But in... I'd be like, but in the same time, it couldn't not be true because everything that's happening basically is happening before my eyes. And also like, if you're, if you're, I don't know what the better term is, right-minded, yeah? I don't know what a better term is than that. But if you don't think in that way, if your brain does not work in the way that their brain is working, yeah, you're just an everyday schmo, you'd just be like, Okay, someone's going through something. Exactly. And, and you know, so they might be a bit extra needy and there might be things that I don't really understand or whatever. Mm. We kind of just go with them. Exactly, exactly. But you don't, you don't, your brain isn't like, oh, but actually let's connect the dots here. This was all a bit weird, you know, and mm. start kind of, you know, Sherlock Holmes in it. You just, you just, I'm just going to be there for my friend. And yeah, it might be a bit much sometimes, but it's, if it's a bit much for me, imagine what it's like for them. This is exactly it. Because if if at any one point when I'm questioning all this, I found out that she was actually suffering from cancer, then that makes me look like an absolute bastard. Do you still have that doubt in your head? About what? Oh, like maybe she was. What, suffering? No, yeah. obviously not. Oh, okay, fine. Oh my <laughs> God, like imagine now after all these years, well, actually, was she actually suffering from cancer? Was this all again a double twist? Uh, no, I know for sure that she wasn't suffering from cancer. Okay. Um, and you know i i was able to get out of it and i was able to leave and and not have to think about it again and i've haven't spoken about this um like i said purely because it's a part of my life i just didn't want to even address or think about i'd moved on from there and that was before things kicked off for me musically and i had a big career obviously after that and then like got into like relationships and marriage and kids and stuff and so you just don't even it's that's done it's done and you're not having to address it or have to think about it anymore like with any past trauma that you know you don't want to keep bringing up and i haven't had the need to because it's so far removed from my conscious that yeah why would you need to but listening to sweet bobby and this podcast series just opened up all those you know that that the closet of like you know mysteries just kind of memories just like came flooding out and you're all the way back into that time period again because the similarities with so much of what was said on the podcast really echoed everything that i went through yeah 
and you know thankfully i it wasn't as as long and as prolonged and horrific as as Girat's experience but it's not that's not to say that it couldn't have been and i could have gone on for god knows how long with this and there's probably countless people that are going through something very similar to that right now as we speak yeah and what we always do with our podcast is to ensure that our conversations are there to open up that dialogue within our community and within our listeners. And there is no shame. As you mentioned earlier, that you felt a bit of shame and you felt, you know, traumatized by it. And trauma is obviously a very kind of valid feeling to have. Mm. Um, but there is no shame in this. You're not, there's no need to feel embarrassed. There is, you're not gullible for believing someone when yeah. they say that they need you because they're not feeling very well or whatever the reason they've got yeah. there'll always be something that they use to be able to control you um by making themselves feel uh, sound vulnerable yeah and that's you're a good if you're a good-natured person you're going to believe them yeah and that's not on you the shame is not on you. No, of course, of course, exactly. No, I, I, you know what? It took a long time for me to to realize that after that that experience, uh, you know, and that just came from, you know, moving on with my life and like reclaiming my life and, um, getting back to what I was doing before then, and that's like socializing and and, you know, music and uh, you know, just finding myself after a long time and but it has left an impact on you it has left its mark oh, because course. you are a lot more wary of people yeah 100%. Um, and, and you know not like it takes a lot for you to trust people oh totally i so basically i like that that time i had so many friends and loads and loads of friends and i could like i said i used to talk to people all the time on on social media and and getting in conversations with people and you know i pretty much after that, I've just kept everyone at an arm's distance. I have my my small circle of trust, mm -hmm. and it takes a lot for someone to enter that circle. Um, and you know, I, I I give everything of me to those people, uh, and give those people my love and care. But that is a small circle of trust, and I think mm -hmm. with everyone else, I keep at an arm's length. And um, it's made me a lot more weary, obviously, with anyone and anyone I have contact with. Yeah. But it's made me a stronger person as well. And the ability to maintain really good relationships with the people that I am close to has made that much more important as well. Because mm. I cherish the the genuine people and the people that legitimately care for me and yeah. the people that will absolutely be there for me through hell or high water and through thick or thin. Yeah. And you dedicate your time to those people, you know, and not have to be the guy that wants to be everyone's friend and wants to like know a thousand people and like, you know, wants to be yeah. the center of attention. Uh, I'm much more content having a small circle yeah. and having everyone within that circle, you know, have a really great friendship and affinity towards. Yeah. You survived through an experience that was... That could have been something that you let control you going forward as well, even though she was gone out of your life. You yeah. could have continued to be mistrustful. You could have continued to be um, weary of people and not and not go anywhere near people and not make new relationships. But you haven't yeah. allowed that. But what you have done is become a little bit more um, 
particular with who <laughs> you are um, friends with. No, but you, you do, you have, you have a standard that you want to maintain in terms of the people that you have relationships with. Mm. And, um, and you're, I feel a really good judge of character. I think it, it comes from it all comes from the experiences that you go through in life. Yeah. Uh good or bad, you know. I'm still a bit too soft and you're yes. you know, you're <laughs> the harder one of us and I think that that actually um is a merit of yours. Yeah, well, like it's again one of those things where, you know, every experience kind of you know is another lesson learned. Uh that was a big lesson learned for me, one that um thankfully didn't leave me too emotionally traumatized from the end of it um despite how horrendous the actual time period was um but you know coming out of the other side is very very important and i'm thankful to have done that myself i'm thankful to see kira have done that with her story yes um and um i was just really glad that she got a chance to tell her story on her amazing podcast sweet bobby and i needed to do the same with my amazing podcast the native immigrants yes and hopefully people will feel more confident when they're able to come out and talk about their experiences and get some justice or just get some closure yeah i think closure is the most important thing um you know if anyone is suffering currently you're not realizing they're suffering potentially or have gone through something very similar to this experience Talk to us. Tell us about this. You know, you're not alone. Yeah, we need to work together more. And 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 the problem with catfishing is, and you'll hear about this in the second half of the show with the interview with Gareth, is you know there's still no real set guidelines with the enforcement. Um, you know, with this because you know it's still not really looked at as a criminal offence. The internet is a wild west. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like there is, it's very lawless. Yeah, and people get away with stuff that they shouldn't be able to get away with yeah exactly and you know more needs to be done you know to to help eradicate this but it needs more from the authorities to to identify catfishing and, and emotional entrapment and coercive control as you know offenses and ensure more of these perpetrators don't get away with this and to make sure that there's not more victims within our community so that's my story. Epic and, uh, you know, it had to be told. It had to be told, yeah. And hopefully we can encourage more people to do the same with theirs. But on the other side of this break, we're going to be talking to Girat Asi, the lady at the centre of one of the most incredible stories of catfishing that you will ever have heard. Now, before you listen to this second half of the show, I encourage you all to please listen to the Sweet Bobby podcast series because we're going to have all kinds of spoilers throughout the second half. We've already given away film in this first half as well. So, exactly. Um, yeah. We, yeah. Listen to the, the, the podcast series first, Sweet yes. Bobby, and then you'll know what we're talking about exactly. in the second half. Absolutely. And it's more than worth the wait because it was an incredible chat, very emotional and very informative. So, see you on the other side, people.
Welcome back to the second half of this bonus episode of The Native Immigrants. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. So Jojo B. Yes. We decided to come back, obviously, for a bonus show. We don't normally do this. A bombshell bonus show. Bombshell bonus show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is a bombs- bombshell. They did it to me as well. <laughs> I said it right. Bombshell bonus show. Bombshell bonus show. Yeah. Well, try to say that quickly, like over the course of a minute. Um, because we couldn't wait to talk about this next season. It, nice. It's gripped us for the last few weeks. And, you know, between us, we kind of debated, you know, whether we should put a show out very quickly after we did end the show in the previous episode yeah we made a big song and dance of the fact that it was the last show of the season and that we're done and we're like don't have to think about podcasts now till 2022 we can finally get our lives back yeah and here we are here we are for another episode yeah but like there's a specific reason why we had to bring this back yes and it is to do with the most gripping podcast after the native immigrants yes <laughs> so second when it, only two second only two the world famous native immigrants uh, a podcast series just got released a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and to say that it's taken over the world yep. would be a slight understatement yeah we are talking about sweet bobby yes. by tortoise media and i mean where do we where do we start with this jojo it is the most gripping thing that that's what i, I just said did, I, did you? Yeah, I just said I the literally most wasn't listening podcast. to a word you said then. Thanks a lot. Um, it's really gripping though. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> what other word describes it? It's bloody brilliant. Just like gripping, go on. It's gripping. <laughs> I mean, it's actually. I was trying to find another, another word for gripping. Yeah. It, it grabs you by the balls. It does grab you it, by the genitals. Well, yeah. by the genitals, you yes. know, men and women, we don't discriminate here. Um, I mean, it's enthralling it's captivating for me it's chilling um oh, yeah it honestly it feels like um you know like witnessing like an, a crazy hollywood thriller before your eyes it's really sinister um and i think i think the thing that that grips us and captivates us more than anything else yeah is the fact that the main person involved in this piece is actually a friend of ours yeah and she's actually a really good friend of mine for a long period of time back in sort of the late 2000s, early 2010s. And we lost touch for a number of years, yeah. which we will discuss here and the reasons for that over the last, I'd say, seven, six or seven years. Yeah. We didn't really understand the reasoning for that. And this podcast has given me an absolute explanation of the reason for that happening. And I think more than anything else, it's not only been an eye opener for not just me, but a lot of the friends uh, and and particularly family in this person's life into what she's gone through, uh, which has been just unbelievable over the course of the past decade. But it also means that we can now reconnect, which has been a really important part of our relationship. Yeah. Um, and it's a, an absolute pleasure to get this lady on our show. Uh, and it's the first time really we've even like connected after so long as well. We've had a few conversations 
uh, you know, since the, you know this this all transpired and everything came out in the open. An epic phone call. An then. epic phone call. Yes, indeed. Uh, we were hoping to do this in person, but the world of COVID has kind of put paid to that. Yeah, there's plenty of time. For that. There will be plenty of time for that in 2022, but we are delighted to be joined on this bonus episode of the Native Immigrants by Kirat Asi, right here. How's it going? And I'm, I'll kind of call you Kirat. I've always known you as Keeks. So <laughs> we're going to we're going to continue to call you Keeks through the course of this show because I was hearing like over the course of Sweet Bobby, like Kira, Kira, and I was just like. No, that's Keeks. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Like that, the Kirit is like maybe like the government name you put out there for people. Like, <laughs> you've always been Keeks to me. Um, and so it was great to reconnect with Keeks after all these years. So, backstory: we were good friends over a, a, a period where we were always seeing each other. Um, used to socialize a lot all the time. We were unofficially what well, officially called the rago crew oh yeah 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 <laughs> between a few of us that word for, for a long time, time. i know rago exactly crew. we're just thinking about the rago crew Ranj was part of that shout to my boy Ranj yeah. recky wherever he is uh another good friend of ours um and yeah so you know we we would see each other a lot talk a lot um spend a lot of time together all those long road trips up and down like the UK going to Birmingham. random award shows in Birmingham and stuff like that. Honestly, like we've that we've been through and gone through the mile together. Um, and then uh, we were in the process of getting married. Uh, me and you, not you and Keeks. Uh, not me and Keeks, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keeks, Keeks shut me down straight away. Do you know what I mean? She was like, no, I'm not having a piece of this. Everyone's going to be like, what? What is going on? That's a piece to the puzzle. What is, wow. Bombs, they were dropping He's all kinds of bombshells in this episode, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, myself and my good wife, Jojo B, were getting married. And we'd invited Keeks to our wedding, yes, of we course. Yes, yeah. Uh, gave Keeks the invite. And that's literally the last I heard of her for a long long time that really was it I mean like even when I kind of came on the scene we used to go out for dinner and and all that stuff like we kind of was giraffe like, was our local but those were good times and then yeah and then you said I've dropped off the invite yeah and that was literally it that was literally the last I heard of Keeks for years um and and I've already explained this to you Keeks like we were quite I was annoyed um, because I, for me, you were a good friend and I, because I didn't even hear from you for any reason why you weren't at the wedding or even a congratulations or anything, um, that kind of set us back a little bit. And I was a bit like, well, fair enough. If that's how she wants to be, then. I remember that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, was, I was really annoyed. Understandably so. Obviously, yeah, I know. Absolutely. Of course you're going to be annoyed, but that's not me though either, right? So it's not like me to not say anything. Exactly. That's yeah. what we were so shocked about. Like, that's not how Keeks is. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is this is the reason why I was, I guess, more annoyed than anything. I probably I probably could have done more to kind of question you about it and say like, what the hell? Didn't even hear from you. Like, you know, what's up with that? 
Um, very different Swami Barakas you're to Swami Barakas You're now. one to hold a grudge. <laughs> I, do, I know. I'm so bad at holding grudges. Um, uh, my wife can attest to that. Oh, my God. But so I'm, a, I'm, a grown, I'm a grown man now. You you're know? an old man. I'm an old man now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You know, like I've put all the negativity aside and put it in the past. This is a positive Swami Barakas. Yes. And so a positive Swami Barakas can extend the hand back to his old friend Keeks and say, we're cool now, blood. We're quit now, blood. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think she has the best excuse in the world. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I'll, that, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, so I'll let, let you off. I'll let you off on this occasion. Yeah, but yeah. saying that, after the, I found out what had happened to me, you were one of the first people I called. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, did. And the thing, and you, you explained to me briefly at the time of this phone call what happened to you. But I don't even think it really hit me until and probably this is the, probably the same as a lot of the people in your life that you reconnected with once people hear this podcast and the full story of it yeah I think only then can you really comprehend the severity of this situation the severity of this case and and even then people are still in like a state of like disbelief and shock and so this is one thing we wanted to ask you um like with with this story now being out there in the open how easy has it been to connect back with people that were that were used to be part of your life has has there been almost a kind of another sense of a word where people have decided to come back into your life because all of a sudden keeks is a popular woman out there and so they're like oh keeks how's it going it's been a long time hangers on and stuff. well yeah exactly the people that were there for you and should have been there for you and potentially weren't and now are starting to kind of crawl out of the woodwork as such be like us be like us be like us yeah. be like no, you but... <laughs> it's um it's a strange one i think um I've got people reaching out to me who I thought would never, ever reach out to me. Um, people from school, people from uni. Um, yeah, not people that we knew or not people in my sort of regular friend circle who I mm. lost touch with. There's there, there seems to be a deafening silence along with my sort of immediate family. There's like a deafening silence. But again, extended family seem to be reaching out. Mm -hmm. um so I think people I don't know why that is yeah. um maybe because I've been talking to them for the last three and a half years since it's been happening and they've still had no clue or they've been talking to me and they've had no clue maybe there's a sense of guilt maybe there's just disbelief or with the family side of things it might just be that you know that awkwardness because the perpetrator was a family member I don't know if I should say that, but yeah, you should have listened to the podcast by now. I can say that. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, this is the yeah. one thing we want to we want to get across to people. There's no point in listening to this interview unless you've listened to Sweet Bobby the series. It's really important, I think, for our listeners to yeah. listen to this series as a whole. We mentioned this in the first half of the show. We mentioned this in the intro of the show. You must listen to this series as a whole before listening to this because there's going to be all kinds of spoilers first and foremost yeah and also you know Alexi Mostras is the the journalist who spoke to Keeks has done an incredible job of 
getting across the story and explaining a very complicated, very long story absolutely in a digestible way. So there's no point in us kind of rehashing that and, exactly. and never doing the job as well as that, to be <laughs> honest. Um, and, you know, and and that's not why we want to talk to Keeks. That's not the reason, like, we don't want to her to kind of repeat her story again. Absolutely, We want to kind of go beyond that now and see what's going on next and, and talk about our relationship with her. So exactly. go and listen to Sweet Bobby and then come back to this. Then come back to us indeed. Um, but I guess the question everyone really wants to ask after listening to this podcast series mm. uh-huh. is what the fuck? I mean, that's why it's, it's like it's that emoji with the you know the exploding the exploding head yeah, yeah. yeah. that's that was basically me the whole way through me listening to this like how the fuck and what the fuck and why the fuck I mean I think there's gonna there's you're probably gonna be inundated with thousands and thousands of questions from anyone and everyone uh you know across all of social media even people like I said that are coming in and out of your life new people old people uh I think a lot of the listeners of that series will have taken different parts of it and really focused on specific parts and kind of trying to get their heads around mm. specific moments and things like that we don't want to obviously delve too much into those because like I said we want to encourage people to listen to the series uh first and foremost um but how has that been for you in terms of like the amount of information coming at you with this with the amount of questioning from people has that you know I'm assuming it's potentially been overbearing but has it been has it been challenging to maintain um yes and no um no in the sense that the truth is the truth I can't answer anything other than what happened um and lots of the questions people have are very much the same um and we did do a bonus Q&A episode so I don't know if you heard that actually so that's on Tortoise's platform where I answer questions that the public have sent in um and it's very much sort of the questions that everybody has um, people throw things around on so I mostly use Twitter to talk about stuff yeah. Yeah. Uh, around this and I don't say very much to be honest I just share what's coming out um, but occasionally I do respond um, and yeah you know it's, it's fine it, it's, it's difficult for people to understand it was difficult for me to get my head around yeah. when I first learned it um, I am probably the only one that knows absolutely everything that happened, as well as the perpetrator. Yeah. Um, Alexi is probably the next best person that yeah. knows everything else because he has spent time and he had, you know, bless him, he's been amazing. He has spent, I don't know how many like days, weeks probably, going through so much and he hasn't still seen all of it either so <laughs> yeah, um you know he probably knows about 15 20 percent of the story but it's enough for him to be able to tell it so that other people can understand it and the fact that he's understood it and then been able to tell it is better than it coming out of my mouth yeah of course of course um so that's i think that's so much more yeah, add so much more validity and the fact that he's talked to uh, experts as well and 
to try and understand how all of this works and he's tried to reach out to lots of different people. Um, so in terms of questions, I mean, yeah, lots of people coming at me, lots of people just shocked. You have a few like people who, who just say, well, you know, you, you're this or, you know, how can you if you didn't meet him? And it's like if you listen to the podcast, one, you'll know I did meet him. Mm-hmm. And two, <laughs> you know, his extended family. I was, there were pictures of his immediate family pretty much with me on my Facebook at the time. Mm-hmm. We know yeah. who the family, we know them. So why would I really have too many questions? Yeah. And plus yeah. there was no love interest. There was no interest. There was no anything like that. So I wasn't worried. Mm. Yeah. And all the mutual cousins and things were friends that needed to be on there. So it made sense. Um, but one thing that recently that I've been thinking about more and more since the podcast has been that people say, you know, you should be careful. How can you be duped? I'm actually quite private online you probably yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely I've, I've always been fairly private online um nobody would ever known if I was in a relationship properly online it's only that that stuff we got shared to very few people and very few people knew anything about my private life I probably share more now than I did before but it's those other people that she was impersonating that weren't private that allowed their stuff to be stolen for them to be impersonated yeah to the extent that she did and I was just somebody who she personally knew who that she was able to then manipulate knowing that I knew who those people were yeah yeah so it's it's a you know it's it's just very difficult so I haven't had that many questions to be honest I've tried to answer the main ones it's always the same ones things like the voice things like how how could you or people who are, don't understand the, the dynamics of maybe the South Asian community or the East African um, community and how things work um, because it, those, that culture and accepted behavior is sometimes different. Yeah. Um, so those are the things that, that, yeah, I have responded back to and those who understand, understand, but it, it is, um, I just take it a day at a time have my head down I'll do something like this and then I switch off afterwards as much as I can um yeah, yeah. so yeah I try not to think about oh my god what did I say in that did I say that right I'm just going to say what I feel and think at the moment and in the moment and then not go back on it I trust myself and that's the thing I think I've trusted myself throughout the process that I know I'm doing the right thing I know I'm saying the right thing I know, know I'm telling the truth yeah. so I don't have to worry yeah you know what <laughs> The questions can be, I guess, yeah, it can be challenging, overbearing. I think the one thing that I couldn't do or wouldn't do is is to question anything. And and, and after I listened to this whole this whole series, all these questions that people had don't even fathom in my mind because, as you've listened to the first half of this episode, I would have talked about the first time I've spoken about this in ever since that time period was my own catfish story back in 2008 and so much of what I went through echoed exactly what Keeks went through and so there was there is no kind of like oh but what about the voice here what about um this extended family why did you not question anything around that time like this this couldn't have taken place because it all seems so far-fetched you know why like if something was happening here how could it have happened there what people 
like failed to realize is myself and Keeks are both level-headed people yeah and and so you can't it's not like you know like with some when you hear about some cases and they tapped into like people that are potentially you know that are and I think in a way I I think personally from both the people that catfished us in our lives almost tapped into a part where I think we were both quite vulnerable in that stage of our lives like I know with my life this all happened just as I'd split up with my ex I was in a really low point and this person almost tried to take or re- or almost try to replace that kind of the that um empty the void. void basically mm. in my life by becoming this other kind of role almost in a way yeah and and I think because I was at such a low point I almost allowed myself to kind of like like get in like not get into the story of it as such but I'm a trusting person and if I know you and I'm good with you and I've, and I care about you why would I not trust you that's the thing that's the key though isn't it it's that you know them this is the exactly you already have a connection they're not just some random from the internet they're like somebody that you already know or have a connection to yes at the moment they're not just like a random person that turned up in your life one day from the internet and then you got to know them and then you gave them all your money or whatever yeah like this is someone that you already had some level of trust in yeah and I think that is a key difference between something that Alexi spoke about on one of the episodes when he mentioned about um the perpetrators not fitting the description of someone that's a typical catfisher where he kind of oh. mentioned the fact that it was usually it's like older men or older women trying to portray, uh, um, you know, another lifestyle basically yeah. to try to either, yeah. you know, act like they want to get into a relationship with someone by putting fake pictures of themselves and things like that. That and, feels like a dating website or dating app kind of catfish yeah. rather than the situations we, that you both yeah. went through. We had a lot of conversations about this, Alexi and I, and, and some of the other, you know, the tortoise team, Gary and, audio and everybody but we, you know catfishing the term I mean you've got MTV's catfish and you've got the term and it's so associated with like romance fraud yeah, and exactly dating apps and it's a bit of a joke it's a bit of a game it's about who we can fool it's got that kind of silliness and who you can shame and embarrass yeah that kind of thing attached to it um and this is more and and I think the more we talk about this we we've started talking about it as online entrapment yeah, yeah. absolutely 100 yeah. um so it you know it's not it it was it's not even uh, financial that's like an emotional entrapment as well yeah it's manipulation it's a, isn't it yeah, it's power, a tra- power trip they, they, yeah. they had control of yes yeah, coercive yeah. control which yeah. is something that coercive we speak control, about quite, yeah. yeah quite openly on the show yeah so it was all about that and it was understanding i mean coercive control is a central theme that runs you know through the second half of the podcast because it was how I was abused and her knowledge of me was used mm. to control me um emotional blackmail before it was controlling using nice stuff you know when when your partner's nice to you and you think oh they're just being really nice and you're feeling a bit like I don't need this I don't want this but they're just trying to be nice that's yeah. like a that's how it starts creeping in um where you think they, you know, they're just being overly helpful and overly caring and overly concerned. Yeah. It's not. That's the beginning of control. Um, and then it just slowly became more and more abusive. And that was in the last sort of three, 
three years or so of it when the so-called romantic part of the relationship started, which was so many years in. Yeah. Um, but again, as you know, I was seeing somebody. Um, yes. So it wasn't a case of me looking for love and literally the whole being told that that person, that Bobby was in love with me happened probably six weeks after I broke up with my partner. Um, right. And, but I, I refused to be in a relationship. And again, he was very unwell. Why would I be in a relationship with somebody who I know is mentally unwell? Yeah, Who's depressed. So I'm just trying to be sensible there. So it took many months before anything happened. And even that was, um, again, kind of emotional manipulation because he was dying. He was in palliative care in a hospital in New York. Mm. And he, he was definitely not going to live beyond July. But that was sort of a few months. And even then I'd been kind of tricked into this thing because I received something on Valentine's Day, which I assumed was from um, Bobby, but it wasn't. So I felt really guilty because he'd been declaring his um, undying love for me for months and months and months. So it was a bit of a weird one. Um, I couldn't call him. So we had like a brother-sister relationship before. He used to call me his big sister because he's younger than me. Um, And publicly as well. So on his profile, he used to call me his big sister. Um, It was a bit of a strange one as soon as he said he had feelings for me. I was like, hmm. And then I was was made to feel guilty for not responding. Like, you know, I was always throughout the relationship, always reminded of how I didn't respond to the first time he said, like, I ignored it totally. (laughs) Like, like, did you just say, you know, kind of thing. Um, And he was like, did you just hear what I said and I was like yes but I don't believe you because you're not well you know it was literally like that right right, right. um so I you know like you said we're both quite grounded and rational logical and it's that kind of mindset all I knew was he was on a death on his deathbed and him at that point it was like his cousin me and um, the consultant constantly talking to keep him going because he was yeah. quite suicidal he was in a bad way he was paralyzed cancer just had some big operations um it, you know it, it was just really really bad it was just literally seeing his dying days out so I had nothing to lose as I thought yeah, I wasn't yeah. ready yeah I wasn't ready to go into another relationship but then it's like well I've been kind of snookered a little bit here but it's okay it was like that um it's not like I'm gonna sleep with him or do anything it's, no, it's exactly, you know exactly so it was like um it, you care about him I've been talking to him for years you know to him for years at this point um his family obviously trusted me um um so it was it was um it was a strange one so you are like manipulated into it but you know but the thing is before that like you're saying you know I was just come out of a relationship with somebody else who treated me you know well you knew him yeah uh, you met him yeah. and um but that person said my former partner had also had phone calls saying awful things about me, which at the time I thought he was bluffing to try and get out of, you know, he got cold feet. Right. Um, we've since learned that truth. Yeah, no, of course, of course. So she, you know, she was calling people up, saying awful things about me. And causing damage in my life in areas that I wanted to succeed and 
you know, where I was looking forward to stuff. So, you know, that's quite cruel. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. That's um, quite cruel. You know, it's like me, like somebody that you trust phoning up one of your, you know, one of you and and poisoning the other person against yeah. you to the point where they, they're really horrible to you. And it's that was then used against me further on as well in the abuse. So it, it's not been, um, as you learn all of this, when you're like those kind of, when you come out of it, you, you sort of slowly realize all of this and think, but what about that moment in my life? But what about that moment in my life when I thought that was going wrong? Oh my God, you know, you, you have this slowly like little light bulbs go off and then you go and investigate and you realize it all comes back down to this person. Of course. Um, it's quite difficult. And even during the podcast when it was being made, because we were making it week on week, um, and we sometimes didn't know, especially the last three episodes, we didn't know what was going to happen by the next one. Yeah. Um, we, I especially learned things during the course of the investigation that really just turned things around. Like I'd made my peace with certain things over the last three and a half years and suddenly we've learned some other stuff and you've gone, what? Mm. You know, that doesn't make sense. Now why? You know, now all of that doesn't make sense anymore. Um, so it's like, I can understand even when I have those moments, even now, why everybody else is having them yeah i mean this i guess the the only real comfort i guess at the end of this is the fact that at least you know all of those things that affected you in so many different ways and all those negatives was literally that one source and so when mm. it's affecting you emotionally from all different angles whether it's your personal life whether it's your career whether it's stuff that's happening within your family and obviously things that happen within you in a negative space then affects every part of your life um, and it affects your mm. dynamic and relationships with people that you are close to real life people you know whether that's family or best friends or the midst or harvey that was mentioned in there and stuff and falling out things like that but you like at the end of it you know that it's it's not something that's an inherent character fault or a problem it was all linked to this one source yeah. is the reason for all that negativity so when you eliminate that negativity out of your life it means that you can then basically move you can actually move on with your life without having all the multiple layers of baggage that come with it it's yeah. this one massive bag that can just be chucked out of the house and now you've got like your life that's ahead of you it's a process though isn't it it's going to be a process of unlearning the things that yeah you have had put into your head yes about, yeah, of course you know the way that re relationships or um job prospects or whatever have kind of disappeared out of your life mm. and it was yes it was that source but then at the same time now you've got to kind of learn to trust again trust yourself again yeah because i'm guessing and i you know i don't want to put words in your mouth keeks but like i'm guessing that like you spent a long time just not feeling like you were worthy of things or you know that you were the problem when things went wrong and now you're learning that that wasn't the case that must be i'm 
you know, I don't know how a better way to put this, but it must be such a head fuck now, like kind of trying to get your head around that and try to understand like what that means now going forward. The past is the past, yes, but obviously you, you take the, you carry the past with you as well. So what is that process like now for you in terms of processing that and and moving on from that? Yeah, and, and, and what, like in terms of that recovery, like in almost reclaiming your life. Yeah. Um, you know, what's, what steps have you taken in order to, to progress moving forward? So from the point of confession, that day that the confession moment happened that you heard in episode three, no, yeah, three, um, there was, there was an immediate weight lifted off my shoulders in the sense that I wasn't trapped in my room anymore or in my house anymore, because it had got to the point where I was barely able to leave my room. I was barely able to speak to somebody, anybody. My phone would be ringing left, right and center. Like it wasn't him calling me. It was his cousins calling me. It was another cousin calling me. Or I'd be trying, you know, it, it, I, it was crazy to the point where like once I'd even thrown my phone across the room. Um, it, it was so intense. I'd leave all the groups that we were in and all the chats that we were in. I was oh, so, God, it was that bad. It was, and I was like, I didn't, like I kept saying, I don't, I miss, I used to say constantly to him, I miss me. Yeah. This isn't me. I miss me. And um, we all have horrible things that happen in our lives, right? But you deal with them and you keep going and you keep going. But I had initially, when things were beginning to go wrong in my life that were before I was in any kind of romantic relationship with him. I kept saying, Oh my God, you need to stay away from me. Everything I seem to touch turns to dust. You know, mm. I was like, I, I was wondering what was going wrong with my life. Cause I was working so hard. I was studying. I, I mean, I, I had a really good job and I had prospects and I was, I was doing so much of, you know, um, but one thing going wrong in your life, you know, is, enough to deal with but you st- it doesn't mean you allow it to affect everything else in your life but when mm-hmm. everything's going wrong you start questioning yourself mm. and you do start thinking oh my god is it me and then as I went through the process like the last two or three years of this you know when other people constantly were telling me that what I was doing was questionable or the way I'd responded to something was questionable when you've got five or six people telling you that all the time, um, you really start thinking, oh my God, am I too open-minded? Am I too much of a hippie? Am I too, you know, forward thinking? Mm. Is this why I, this doesn't work in my life? You know, five, four, five people have said this to me. You know, it's like you start questioning yourself, but I didn't know at that time they were all one person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when you are, and if anyone attacks you, you know, you have one, imagine you have a bit of criticism from somebody, you might make you feel bad, but you might think to do something, it's all right, that's their opinion. And I'm quite like, I don't care. And you know that about me, I don't really care what people think. I don't, you know, generally do what I want, say what I want, wear what I want, you know, I'm one of those. Mm. Um, but I, I, you know, if you're going to get criticized for the same thing by lots of people, you start questioning yourself, is my judgment correct? Am I doing something wrong? Um, and that was happening increasingly. And um, 
to the point where it became cruel and horrible and really, really nasty. Um, but once the confession happened, I did feel a massive weight get lifted off my shoulders that day. So I wasn't trapped at home anymore. I could get in my car and just go somewhere. Yeah. Um, the little things. Is, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Without, you know, I couldn't do anything without pretty much saying I'm going to do this. I remember one night when he was feeling, when he used to be ill, we used to sleep on headphones on the phone. I went to the bathroom and when I came back, you know, it was like, where did you go? I was worried. I'm like, I just, the line, I didn't cut the call. I just literally went to the bathroom. It must've been like three minutes or something. <laughs> they came back to bed. It was like, it ended up being a huge big deal for not even for saying, waking him up and saying, I'm going to the bathroom. Um, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Which, and then you feel guilty and then every time after that I'm like he's unwell I've got to do this you know I need to make sure he doesn't feel scared that he's by himself so I need to make sure he knows and then he would always be like asking me lots of questions where are you who are you going with what's you know that and then that became like a nothing um but I quickly had counseling um and I, I think I, I had like an adrenaline rush as soon as everything happened and I was determined not to let her steal any more of my life yeah of so I'd gone to the police it took me ages to get just a crime reference like ages meaning four days and then the stuff that happened with the police afterwards has just been unsatisfactory um and that's still kind of ongoing yeah so lots of questions around how the police handled things um as you you know as you've probably heard in the podcast but yeah. I was so determined to get my life back and, and not to let her steal any more of my life that, you know, I went out there, all guns blazing. I managed to get a contract really quickly just to get myself going. And then I managed to, you know, I started dating somebody, like somebody made me go on like charlie.com that dreaded dating app just to see, just to, oh, just to <laughs> show me that there were people, guys still out there, it's okay. And um, I did date somebody from there, but it was somebody that somebody, somebody that two people had tried to introduce to me in the real world anyway. Right, um, okay. But I was quick to get out of that one as well. Yeah. Um, I was finding as I was working on our scene, people that had come up while I had disappeared, didn't know who I was or didn't know of me and would question when I was managing them, they'd be like, like, um, who the hell is she to tell me right, right, how right. to do, you know, without knowing how much experience I have at what I do. Um, there were like lots of challenges like that. And then when I was looking for work in January, after that, for after my contract finished, um, how do you explain that gap? <laughs> um, <laughs> I can ima just imagine you sitting on the other side of an interviewer so uh so this is what happened there's a reason why there's a massive gap in my cv yeah, um, yeah. how do you explain that right yeah stuff like that and then like you know because I've ended that relationship and that like, I'd had some nastiness from people who didn't know me yeah which was again really shocking and it was like seemed to be like I, my vulnerability my weakness even though they didn't know or some actually one person that attacked me did know um 
and it was quite a vicious attack. Um, they did know, and then they'd gone around saying that I was, this was my crazy sob story to people. And I was just like, you know something? I'm fast, I was like, I'm not, I'm not sobbing. I'm not, I'm not sitting here crying about what's happened to me. I am determined. I'm the kind of person that's determined just to get on. Yeah. That point was a real low. That's kind of, I lost my cousin in December and you realise I couldn't go to Kenya to see him. And that's been really hard. Because, um, you know, he used to, I stay with him or he used to come and stay with me here in, in here when we were younger and I was quite close to him. Mm. And uh, he passed away quite suddenly and I wasn't able to go and see him purely because of the aftermath and the impacts of all of this yeah and it you think it's still affecting my life mm. um I wasn't able to tell anybody because I'd like I'd started telling you try to tell you try to tell a few people people just look at you like you're mad like what the hell are you on about you're just like yeah you loser which is exactly what she wanted but she was you know, she was in a big city job at a young age. She had everything going for her. Goodness knows how she was doing what she was doing. Hmm. Um, but if you pitted me against her, you'd be like, well, she's, a, she's now, you know, I was 39, 40, 39 when I came out of it. And now I'm 42. Um, and you think you pit me against her. Everyone's going to be like, well, she's a bit of a loser at her age. Whereas her... She's amazing. Mm. How could she be doing this? You know, it, it's how it looks. And she knew exactly how she was playing it. She knew exactly what she was doing. Once she'd learned that the police weren't knocking on her door, it was fine. And I was the one that was scared. I was the one that was scared of going to places just in case she was there. And I was like, yeah. this isn't right. I'm not the one that should be scared. So, you know, um, luckily I met Amrit. Yep. Which was just shout to Amrit. Yeah. Um, and I mean he was a client in that contract that I was in. And like he says he just felt something strange because he would like obviously try to learn about me a bit more and ask me some questions. And I just be like, no, but I've got a police case going on with it, you know, like a just brush it away like I do. And because that's all I learned to do. I learned how to manage it. And I just say, Oh, I've got a case going on. I had a stalker. Right. Okay. Once you say that, people kind of go, oh, my God, that must be really bad. Assume whatever they want to assume, but you just don't explain it. Yeah, Yeah, of course. And you just carry on. That's the most, that's the best I could do to be treated normally. Yeah. Um, and just leave it there. Um, and, like, again, he was confused about why somebody me, like me, who's quite, you know, the way, the kind of person I am, that why I wasn't married or why I wasn't seeing somebody like you right, know seriously right. or anything by that time and he was being a bit like nosy but that's like a decision to do um <laughs> but it's okay but we kind of stay friends and I didn't know he was a solicitor and and I think it must have taken about two three three months of him hearing it all from me just in dribs and drabs and I think one day I, I think we must have popped into a McDonald's after going through some work or something. And he said, suddenly went, oh, my God, this is huge. I just remember 
So I remember walking into McDonald's and he sat down. He likes his McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Man after and it's going to kill me now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, um, and, and yeah, he just went, oh my God, this is huge. He just suddenly like the sort of that light bulb had gone on off in his head um, and the penny had dropped and he just like understood that this was massive, massive, massive. And he was like, this is too much for me to deal with, but let's go to the police station first. And that's where we started. Then we started looking for a lawyer again because any lawyers I'd gone to previously had just, once I'd had a first conversation, sent them some paperwork, I'd never heard from them again. I called them, nobody would answer their phone. Um, even people that we know never called okay. me back. Um, it was just, I had, you know, door shut on my face all the time and the police were useless in, in what they were doing. Um, and meanwhile, I had been continuously stalked and I was trying to flag this with the police. And yeah. so it's been um, a tough ride. I have had psychotherapy as well, which was really good. My psychotherapist was immune absolutely amazing awesome. um she took it on herself to go the extra miles so i wouldn't have to explain myself um so she was brilliant so i had that and i've had lots of support and learning how to so i've basically got some symptoms of ptsd yeah. um i have nightmares still lots of things like that you know the, the physical impact on me has been not the best yeah. There's lots of things that have happened, but I'm still, you know, I've put my weight back on because I was practically a size zero, six, four, mm. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and I'm usually like a 10, 12, so I'm back to that. Um, got back in the gym, slow, you know, just rebuilding my life, getting my confidence back. The only treat I allowed myself was to have a personal trainer at the gym. Big up. Big up. That's my treat. <laughs> what a treat that is. Yeah. I was, what I was yeah, like what a cake, treat. I think. Yeah. <laughs> on a on a daily basis. Yeah. You know. Um you mentioned there that you've got PTSD mm-hmm. and which is understandable completely in, in with everything that you've been through. But often with PTSD with trauma, when you when you're when you have to talk about it again you kind of relive that trauma how are you finding that and like how how obviously you know there was a there was a period of time where the situation had happened and you were kind of working your way through the legal process and all that and then now that the podcast has come out there'll be you know lots of people who want you to talk about your experience like you are here like how is that how is that now for you in terms of reliving it and and having to um bring up that old trauma again and again and and just as a follow-up to that just in terms of the podcast itself like reliving that story how hesitant were you as well into putting your story out there for the for the world to see because um like we're talking about it's like I had a million downloads already you know across the whole world and so a lot of people will have heard this um and so reliving that story just from like just retelling that experience and then to for the pod for the purposes of the podcast to put it out to public how you know 
how has that been for you? Um, the case, so the police didn't listen to me, I did a civil case and that writing my witness statement took out of me. That was quite, that was when I was seeing psychotherapists. Look, just, I saw the psychotherapist after doing that. Um, Cause I had to write in a lot of detail. And yeah. I think Alexi is probably the only person that's actually read that. People might think lots of other people read it, but he, he's probably the only person that has. Yeah. Um, I think that the, I think the more you, there, there is an argument that the more you talk about something, the more desensitized you become to it. To mm. some, to it. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think, I, I've got to be honest, I think my faith played a part. Um, I think my faith and prayer kept me going when I was going through the worst of stuff, mm. even though I was questioning God at the same time um, about why is this happening. Um, and then after I came out of it, I kind of lost, I didn't lose my faith. I had a relationship with God, but it was not God's my friend. And I just was annoyed with God. Mm. Um, so I had that, but, my, but I think regardless of being annoyed with, you know, my relationship with God being a little bit rocky at that time, it didn't mean that I didn't believe. Um, and it didn't mean, mean that I didn't believe in standing up for the truth. It didn't mean that I didn't believe in, you know, um, in, in so in like humanity, all those things, I still do. And I think a lot of that also kept me going. And I think for the one thing that really keeps me going even now is the standing up for the truth, because I stand up for the truth for, truth for other people, but also for myself. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that, because you can't change that. It is what it is. Even if 100 people are telling lies, that truth, that is fact. That is, that truth is a fact. Um, so that kind of gave me strength in that sense. So I'm not supposed to be scared of speaking the truth. The fear is there, but you do it anyway. Yeah. You don't, you don't stop yourself from, from doing what's right. And this is what's right because it's in the public interest. It might be happening to other people. We know now in the podcast, there are other victims. Other people were such into stories. Um, and it's probably been quite tame on the podcast, but I know more outside of the stuff. So yeah, there's a lot of, of stuff that isn't in the podcast. Um, people are scared to speak up now yeah. because they're worried about knowing her knowing that they've spoken. Yeah. The, she, like, she won't know who I know that might have spoken to me or might have spoken to Alexi or spoken to anybody else. Um, so the people who have spoken up, thank you so much, because it's quite a brave thing to do. Um, so they really, I think for me, there is a lot of that as well. But yeah, you have triggers and you learn to deal, you learn about your own behavior when you're in psychotherapy, how you respond to things mm. and you work on that. And then you also learn what your triggers are slowly and you learn how to deal with them. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I remember one moment where I was in the gym, I was coming back from the gym and a song played. It was one of our songs. And that triggered me. I think I, I from 
it's like an eight minute drive or something and I got home got in the I just couldn't stop falling mm. and it just couldn't stop I just couldn't and it just set me off um and you have moments like that but they become fewer yeah yeah um I've done I've reclaimed things so we're association with things I've tried to take that association away and put new things in yeah yeah of course in in place for those things mm-hmm. so very you know very quickly trying to do all of those things um um you know lots of people say you must be like, terrified of being on social media now actually I'm probably more active now on it than I was before um yeah. but even so I'm still private um and the worst thing for me is the nightmares they're pretty much non-stop mm. um you either tire yourself to sleep I use a lot of hypnosis and meditation to sleep most nights. I know it's been three and a half years, very few nights that I don't use it. Um, And especially this last couple of weeks, since episode five, I'd say. um, Episode five, hearing her voice, the beginning of episode five, especially. um, Really shook me. So that's, I think since then I've been a little bit wobbly, but I'm just still determined. Of course. Um, but in the last couple of weeks, it's been so intense that I have had, I had standard nightmares. Now I have new nightmares, like even last night, nightmares have been, last few nights I must have reached least like about two or three or four hours at the most. Mm. Um, it, that is something that when the subconscious that you can't, subconscious that you can't control um that manifests itself as nightmares but again you just learn it's a nightmare it's not real it might feel real but it's a nightmare and you just slowly deal learn to deal Mm. with that and yeah you know that's it you just learn to deal with it and 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 i think you've got it's got to be your mindset as well my mindset is I'm not going to let her sleep any more of my life. I've got to get back whatever I can for myself and play catch up and do what I need to do to, you know, to get to where I want to be or where I should be. Yeah. Um, and I think my steely determination to do that is. I've, I've spoken to so many other people who had something happen to them. And some of them are, are struggling. Um. But yeah, yeah, I think I've been lucky that I've always been quite a tough person. Yes. I've always been quite tough. I still go out there and put a smile on my face and carry on. Um, and I think that helps. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I mean, other than those things, I can't really say. Yeah. Um, but I didn't actually make the decision to put the podcast out there initially. The... Um, Lexi explains how he got hold of stuff, but that wasn't with my knowledge or with my say so or anything. Yeah. Um, the, the case hadn't ended at that point. It was near the end uh, when I first spoke to Alexi. And again, somebody else, actually, that you know as well, <laughs> again, <this is> scary. <laughs> um, 
um, you know, I'd, I'd just come out of a very, I'd, I'd started dating somebody else. And, yeah. and um, it was somebody that we know, not very well, but we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you think you trust them. And um, it, again, it was just being taken advantage of my vulnerability. Yeah. And even though I wasn't vulnerable, but you know, when you let somebody, when you share, of you course. show your vulnerability yeah. to somebody and then you yeah. don't expect them to take advantage of it. Absolutely. That How happened. easy is it now to like trust people and to let people in? But I get that question a lot. I don't think I actually trusted a lot of people in the first place, but um, with the Bobby character, I'd been talking to him for years and he was opening up to me rather than me him first. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think you've got to accept that everybody is not her. Yeah, and of course, yeah, exactly. It's like you come out of a bad relationship. Your partner might have treated you really badly, but it doesn't mean for me that every man's going to be like my ex. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Right? So you've got to treat it like that. How many people are going to go the lengths that she did exactly this is yeah, this right? is the, she's the like a and you've you can't think that way if you start thinking that way then yeah you just you're setting yourself up for failure you're just building up those walls around you you're going to isolate you from everybody else yeah. um yeah. i think you have to have that mindset we have to actually sit down and think is everybody like that person? How many people out there are likely to be able to do what she did? I mean, literally no one, because I didn't think some of this was possible. <laughs> but actually, so then on, on that, Keeks, I think something that, again, I feel with, that we might be quite similar in when you talk about the trust aspect is the fact that I'm not like a very trustworthy, like someone that trusts everyone as such. But the core people that you end up do trusting, you kind of give everything to those people. Yeah. And yeah. so when you let like a person into that, you're giving all of that person your trust and care because, because you know, that circle of trust is very, very small. And it for in your situation, and again, similar to mine, is things build up over the course of like weeks and months before you allow, like open yourself up to allow that person to come in because, yeah. because you always assume yourself to be a very good judge of character. And I can can say on behalf of myself that my whole ethos completely changed after my episode. And I'm I'm a lot more guarded ever since. I've been very, very withheld. Um, Whereas I was probably a lot more open and kind of a lot more, it's one of those things where I'd have like dozens and dozens and dozens of friends and loads of people in my life. After that, that became a very small group of people and everyone else outside of that were acquaintances and you'd only get a certain level of me you know you wouldn't get all of me yeah and the people that yeah. are very very close to you becomes it that, that circle becomes smaller and smaller and smaller you know and and in a way and i, I'm, I can't say for you kicks but that that episode for me ended up being in the long term now looking back at it a life-changing thing that's brought a positive reflection on my life and the way it's gone forward i know it's not not in a way where i can say oh i'm you know like become guarded and become withheld and all this but i kind of feel that my outlook on life completely changed after that into in a way of that that was protecting myself from 
anything that's happening outside of my own restrictions. And I think that actually helped me then develop my relationships going forward. Jojo B can obviously say she won in that aspect. Um, <laughs> I won. No, you definitely have like a circle of trust. So there's people that are in your inner circle, our inner circle. Yeah. And then beyond that, you're like, yeah, whatever. Exactly. And, and it's like, you know, if they're there for you, they're there for you. If they're not, they're not. But you don't, you're not bothered. Like it doesn't, it doesn't affect you as much. Uh, yeah. But then you do expect a lot from the people that are in your circle of trust. Totally. And totally. That, that's when you can, uh, you can get really hurt. Yeah. from those people because you're you're like I've put you, you're in my circle of trust and I expect you to you know or I hope for you to be the person that I can trust because you're, you're if very I'm giving hundred yeah if yeah. I give a hundred percent to someone that is I said within my small circle of trust I'd I don't want to say the word expect you want but I'd but want, yeah you I'd do hope. though you want it back though don't of course you? Yeah. of course because you're like I'm I'm I've, I've given you all of that which which in my in my guarded life I'm giving you all of this yeah so I'd hope that I'd get the same back. And when you don't get that back, then it's like that circle of trust kind of like, you know, one less person. And, <laughs> you know, I kind of like take it down to the notch and stuff. Like, I'm really happy with the core group of people I have in my life now. And I'm, I'm assuming now after everything that's happened to, to you, Keeks, and that um, having this and, and then going through this, I think long term, I know this is something with the same as within my life, with, it'll always be linked to you and even if you tried to get away from it it it's gonna keep coming back and slapping you in the face but Wait, bobby's out there now so i can't really <laughs> exactly, <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> i can't really hide from it anymore. Um, i mean yeah if you've got like two downloads over the course of its run myself and jojo v the only person listen to it then maybe we can <laughs> look back and say yeah you know what we might have got away with that but yeah, no, unfortunately, yeah, it's um, it's it's stamped, it's stamped on all of your aura. But I'd like to think yeah. that coming out the other side and reflecting on the potential positive aspects of it that that might have helped your character building and things within your own personality that have potentially changed going forward, I think can only be a good thing. And that's what you possibly need to like long-term wise this is still so raw but in five years time find the silver lining yeah hmm see I think I think people forget that I've been out of this three and a half years hmm. right um and this is blown up again now I mean civil cases only just ended yeah a few months ago we've gone straight into this podcast which is like I don't know when the civil case ended and when this started right. um it's all been really, really intense. So it's just been nonstop. It's been all go, go, go. So I, I really haven't stopped to breathe. But in terms of dealing with stuff and being able to personally reflect on stuff, it's been, I said, three and a half years. I give forgive people because it's difficult for me to explain myself fully. Yeah, um, And without, when the victim's sitting there crying or speaking or trying to explain something so complicated that nobody else understands, it is difficult. Yeah. And the fact that Alexi's done it for me, I'll be eternally grateful to him. Of course, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, Gary as well, um, the producer, and, and the whole team there, because they've given me a voice where nobody was listening to me, not even the police, not even other lawyers, not even people, you know, even like, um, you know, I know you know Harvey, um, and, and yep, like even 
Harvey, as you know in the podcast, Harvey was there as the confession was happening. Harvey was one of the few friends I was speaking to when it was happening. She even, her, like, you know, she knows of Bobby's family too, because in a roundabout way, she's related to that family too. Mm. Um, and she was with me. It was her hen weekend in Brighton when yeah, we saw yeah. him, right? So, um, but even like Harvey and I went for a walk the other day and she turned around and said to me, listening to the podcast has helped my understanding. There were things that I didn't understand and it helped, right? Mm. So, and people go, just, just even though they were there, they still didn't get the extent of it. Yeah. And even though the podcast doesn't go into everything, um, it doesn't give the full extent of it. And, and I know, I mean, I've learned the people who are willing to listen yeah. and there's people who are not willing to listen. Mm. So I now, I know who my friends are. Of course. Um, and, and, you know, in the sense that the, the fact that you've chosen to listen and pick up the phone that means a lot to me, but I'm not holding any grudges against people who just don't understand or this terrifies them or it scares them. What I have said to people is have a listen to the podcast and then pick up the phone. Don't ask me about the story and what happened to me first because it's difficult for me to explain, but the podcast is there to tell the story Yes. because I can't keep reliving it. Um, so listen to the podcast. And then if you have any questions, I am here to answer them. I'd rather you ask me than make assumptions um one thing that really got to me this last week was again somebody that you know um has been actually helping me in the since the podcast came out much more closely to make sure that i'm you know i'm okay while this is all happening yeah good. and um he's somebody that um during some of the worst things that were going on were um was somebody I spoke to and he said to me, um, actually, so, this is, so as you know, if you listen to the podcast, I, I received a letter of apology, a private letter of apology, yes. um, which I could only show to a limited number of people and uh, you're one of them. <laughs> so yeah. I know you haven't seen it yet. So. I know, I'm, I'm sort of coyly looking forward to reading this, but at the same time, absolutely terrified. I didn't like know that. Okay. Yeah, I was. we were hoping basically for the purposes of the show, when we were going to meet up with Keeks to yeah. record this live together, that she was going to bring this letter of apology for, for me to read. Okay. Um, I, I was not hesitant to read it, but I was, I was just, because it's, I know the story and a no keeks and everything that's built up over the course of this podcast series and for her the last decade of her life yeah. it culminates in this script of paper yeah and to, to read <laughs> yeah i mean it it, uh, it put a chill down my spine at the thought of it but at the same time like so much looking forward to reading it to to then get a full the full grasp of everything uh, that's been said um because yeah. it's like i said the, the story is un unbelievable yeah but the the fact that they, this is something that's come from the perpetrator's own words her own writing yeah makes it this really like just like potentially jaw-dropping piece of text yeah um but of, of course the COVID has ruined everything in everyone's lives. 
it's put paid to this have to be careful yeah you know, be careful exactly um yeah so um but you know it makes me feel a little bit nauseous just the idea of exactly of, of getting her like her say on things absolutely this is um, what i'm saying yeah but she like, does and, know who's allowed to see the letter by the way yeah that wow, might freak okay. you out a bit but um um so you know all, uh, there was there are limitations um so i can't say what's in it of course um you know it's it's like and then people see it can't say what's in it so yeah you know but it would have been interesting just to hear your reaction like you hear my neighbor's reaction nilesh's reaction yeah um in in the podcast and, and my dad's even you know um he didn't want to read it lots of people don't want to read yeah. it um i think lots of people are just absolutely in denial about what happened or it's like, happened very real, happened doesn't move it? On. that's the thing yeah. i think i think for a lot of people it's easy to kind of look at this from the outside in yeah. as that's Kira's story and stuff and the stuff that's happened to her it's happened to her um and my move on yeah exactly yeah. but that's not like just deal with it no, move on. i just couldn't comprehend but i know unless you fully comprehend the the complete severity of this whole story yeah you're never really going to be able to appreciate the relationship that you have with keeks with that person yeah and I think it's be- it's because of that that's allowed people like ourselves to kind of be like, wow, oh, this is what happened. I can now fully understand, you know, the reasoning for that prolonged absence between us in our lives yeah. um, and how we can now basically work to move things forward as well in our own relationships. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I think, like, so the person that I showed this to, um, he when I showed him the letter it took him like I think an hour an hour and a half to digest and he was visibly I mean people have different reactions like Nilesh as you heard it's like I don't care what happened I know her and I just I'm just interested in her moving on whereas this person a couple of people have looked at it and gone and just like I can't read the second page I just can't believe this or it's like really hurt them no, um yeah. and, and and this it's hurt them and you know just that it's like I can't believe you went through this you know that kind of yeah. that just kind of understanding how big it was and that was before that that was you know reading that letter was before the podcast came out now the podcast has come out this particular person can't get beyond episode three it's too much for them to listen to because they're like I can't, it's very hard for me to, it was like very hard for me to listen to this. Yeah. Um, and, and then there was that guilt that came in. Of it was course. Like, I was, he was like, I was speaking to you sometimes and I think, what is she doing? You know, why, why is she sort of sort yourself out? Get your act together and put the phone down. He was like, not every time, just occasionally that thought went through my head after we get off the phone. And then he goes, like, but I didn't know you were going through all of this. And if I knew you were going through all of this, I would never have thought that. And I'm like, it's okay. It's what she wanted you to think that I'm mm. a loser. Mm. And you know, it was like, but that guilt, like, I'm like, don't feel guilty. It's okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's what she wanted you, you to loser think. And people thinking that you're a loser and more like, we know what Keeks is like. Mm. And this is not her. Like, why, how has she changed? It's not, I don't, I mean, I, I can't speak for that person, but I can only imagine that if we'd been having that conversation, I would have been able to, I would have, that probably wouldn't have been like, 
oh look at what you know look how daft she's been yeah, yeah. more like why is she doing this like I'm concerned and I yeah can't that's and I can't get I can't wrap my head around this behavior yeah but that's like, the thing it was just about he I think he was like a couple of times before, what why you know if I talk, talk to him about a couple of things and he was just like not he said not every phone call but just um a couple of the phone calls where I'd be like why is she going through why is she doing this to herself you know what's yeah, going on yeah. why can't she just like you know whatever it was that I wanted to talk to you about and just on a couple of occasions I thought that thing but I was like he's like I feel guilty for even thinking that because now I know what you're really going through mm. and I'm like it's, it's okay she, like that whole the whole story is so complex like and I you know I know you know what I'm like and I know he knows what I'm like and but in you know in the moment like you were angry that I didn't respond to you after you brought around the wedding invitation and you know when you brought it around I was really excited mm. um it's just not me and yeah it was suddenly like you know me coming off radio I think from 2004 to 2000 and beginning of 2016 in all that time I think I missed three radio shows wow so that's something about my commitment to even radio, which is voluntary for me. So people, you know, I'm, I'm everywhere they put, I'm a radio presenter. People, you know, the public facade of me, I have a whole other career, like my real career as a marketer. Yeah, of course. Of course. People only know like me, like people talk about me as just being a radio presenter in like arts and, but I'm a marketer, I'm a professional marketer. Yeah. And I was working in, you know, where I was working, I was doing great stuff, but um that was just a small part so this is what I mean I'm actually really private people didn't know much about me even yeah, though yeah, yeah. you know we'd like people who are close to me might know what I do but no one really knew too much about me yeah. um and and you know people always assume that I'm a full-time radio presenter I'm not but I have been on radio since 2004 and doing pretty much the same show and um that's an achievement and I do it because I love it and I don't do it to be famous because if I wanted it to be famous, then I would have had a fan page and all that kind of nonsense, which I don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so like when I say I'm private, I'm private. Yeah, it, it's um, it's a bit of a. I, mean, I just feel sad. Some of my friends are feeling really hurt. I don't want anyone to feel guilty that they didn't, that they weren't there for me. Um, even if I've approached them now. And people suddenly listen, you know, and they were like, no, don't want to do this, don't want to do that. They've listened to the podcast and they've changed their mind and they feel like embarrassed. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Just pick up the phone. I'm not going to, you know, whenever I ever gone, oh my God, you this, you that, I'm not like that. And if you know me, you know I'm not like that. So. Yeah, that's how so you and I are so similar in that way. Like, yeah. you know, like when you said, we probably come across like we trust everybody, but we know how to keep people at arm's length. Yes, indeed. So both, I think, I think the, both of us are very similar in that way. Yeah, well, I think it's just when people see us out and about, when we like, I love the fact that you mentioned Bombay Bronx in like the first episode, because <laughs> straight away, I was just like, it took me back to that place of time. 
uh, and seeing these people once a month. And, and then we used to have multiple nights out during the week, VIP ramps and candy nights. And all oh, my God. Oh, my God. This on the previous yeah. show about the nightlife. The nightlife. Yeah, you have. Yeah, yeah, I remember listening to it. Yeah. No, so basically, so people see us out there and yeah. they see us like, like, you know, over the top bubbly characters, always like chatting to people, dancing with X amount of people. And I just dance. <laughs> yeah, I think exactly. I just dance. I didn't talk to people. I just pretty much dance. Exactly. Exactly. So they basically yeah. see that the, the it's not even a character. This is just how we are. We're just good natured people. So they think that we're kind of like people with like thousands of friends and stuff. And then we can we speak to them all the time and do this. But actual fact. Our, our circle is small. Absolutely. You know, the core people in your life is actually very, very small. And that comes from years of people coming in and out of your life with positive and negative experiences that basically mold you the old you go on so in my 20s like, but I'm, I'm keeps we're roughly the same age so by yeah. the time we were going out like to places like Bombay Bronx stuff we were like late 20s early 30s so yeah. we, we'd been through the gamut of like meeting loads of people and going through all the shit yeah. to get us to a point <laughs> where whether the time we get yeah. to like our early 30s uh we like we know what we, we knew know, who we, we were yeah exactly we know who we are but we also know who we can trust so then when you do allow people small of groups of people into your life yeah it's because you've gone through all that before and now you're in a place where right i'm i'm comfortable with myself and i'm able to allow certain people into my life based on my experience with that person yeah yeah and, absolutely and, yeah you've reminded me of actually a really funny moment when we like talking about this we I think we were going to some launch of some awards or something and I think you me and a couple of other of our friends we were out I'm not I can't remember yeah we were out and I think we kept pretending we kept meeting up at different points in the room and pretending to air kiss each other and be like oh my god I haven't <laughs> seen you for ages we did that whole fake thing so many times and nobody noticed because oh, everybody was doing it around us and we were like just cracking up yeah. all the time that's definitely 100 um, percent Birmingham <laughs> and I think it was a Brit Asia awards <laughs> I think and yeah I, remember, yeah, I don't know we did it, it a few times so many different yeah god it all blurs into one night now basically yeah all blurs, we've, done, we've done stupid things like that everywhere Absolutely. in front of people and we don't they don't know that we <laughs> but yeah but we did just like we do that and be our private joke between the friends that knew right so of course of course yeah it's it's mad you know, if somebody sees us <laughs> Yeah, apologies. Yeah, yeah apologies <laughs> to all these people that we were taking the piss out of, like, like vehemently over the course of an entire evening. They're probably just like, ah, oh, that's just probably not the way they are. No, we were actually taking the piss out of you. Yeah, trolling. We were trolling. Yeah, we were trolling back then before trolling was even a thing. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Unbelievable. Seriously, you oh can't take. God. You couldn't take Sorry. the two of us anywhere. You couldn't take Yumi and Ranj anywhere. I think we're just like causing too much uh, mischief. So, talking of Ranj as well. So Ranj was actually talking to me throughout this process. He was one of amazing a good friend but then again um he was targeted and oh, taken wow. away from oh, wow. like when when the abuse got really bad um um i had to stop talking to him oh jeez. as in it got to the point where you know who do you think you are you know that kind of just whatever yeah, it's inappropriate it's inappropriate that you talk. and it was really bad and i just didn't know what to do and i, I I remember sending him a message saying, you know, I think it's really inappropriate that you call me after 9 p.m. Um, and I was kind of hoping that he would read the subtext that this, I don't, this isn't the way that I write text messages to you. I hope you know that I'm being forced to, it was like in my head, I was writing it like, I hope you know that I'm not being forced to say this to you. 
<laughs> like yeah. you know that I'm being I'm being forced to say this to you you know this isn't me speaking I am being told to say this um but yeah it got to a point where I couldn't speak to him either wow wow this, you know this... literally I was actually literally had to say that and and I think he even got a I think he said to me he even got a message from Bobby something weird like that because I was so scared I was like no you message him yourself it's okay it's okay yeah. I was like that literally you know and then I think he said I think I've got something but it went to my spam or something and I ignored it and I was like you kind of thing but then you know, again he's one of the people I've reconnected with but I think he finds you know like for so many other people he finds this difficult yeah yeah well, I mean I think anyone coming into your life at this point and then finding out what's happened yeah I think it's it's difficult enough from a just from a like a, a human level to comprehend this all and then to 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 take all that on board and then find ways to then try to reconnect or to kind of move a relationship on from there I think can be really really difficult and I think the I know from my perspective the reason why this is this is like it's weird. I don't even use the word comfortable because this is not a very uncomfortable situation. Yeah. But because I can connect to it on ev literally every single level is the reason why I'm able to have this conversation with you and everything that you've been through, I've completely empathized with absolutely everything. And I have no questions or no queries in terms of any of it because I'm like, yep absolutely when same thing happened to me same 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 and there's red flags across every single point in which you talk about all these things are hallmarks of someone going through a very similar situation well with, with your situation I just find that like if the intervention hadn't come as when it did yeah I think it could have gone down How a long very similar route to absolutely and that's what's really scary yes is that a lot of the same things were being said to you yeah. that were being said to Keeks. And I think if it had continued longer, that level of control would have happened to you as 100%. well. 100%. I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm, Can I you see say, it coming? Uh, Could you have seen it coming? Well, this is the thing. Like you, you, In a way, just like yourself, I tried to find ways to get out of it because it was honestly, it was taking over my life. Yeah and, yeah, and 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 I remember that Alexis said in that and that um in a podcast, I think it was episode four or five, where he said, as much as it was taking over your life, it was actually also taking over hers, and I mm. think in my aspect, it was exactly the same. It it basically engulfed both of our lives. Yeah, and you know, I I, I mentioned I talk about my catfish in the first half of the show in how I managed to get myself out of it. Um, mm. And I was, I'm really lucky in that that ended before it potentially got even further out yeah. of control. You know, um, you know, obviously, Keeks, you weren't as fortunate, but even though it's taken X amount of time, the fact you've come out of the other side of it uh, and, and, and not to put, sort of put it in the past as such, but now know that you've got the rest of your life to basically get on with becoming keeks again rather than hargineth asi you know is is a, a massive thing you know um, hargineth is is my name so hargineth asi is my full name of course and i embrace that but 
but yeah, keeks as in like the keeks the, or ratty or whatever exactly. people call me. Yeah, just I and I, I think I'm pretty much in terms of my personality and me being me, I'm pretty much back there. It's the rest of it, the bits of my life that I you know still catching up and and rebuilding and recon- all this reconnecting now. The podcast has really helped reconnect with people. Yeah, um, it's helped to give me a voice because I was pretty much silenced for the last three and a half years. Yeah. Um, because people didn't believe me. People don't want to talk to me. I have people who don't want to see the letter, you know, and it would shock you. Um, I'm really surprised at some of the people who have reached out. I mean, like, <laughs> funny, like Nihal, I think I told you, he, he yeah. reached out because um, he was told about this podcast for his show. And then mm. he was like, I know her. I want to speak. <laughs> and he messaged yeah. me and went, are you sweet Bobby? <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to myself every single night for 10 years. I'm so like, you need to listen hmm. to the podcast before yeah. you interview me. But yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, as it, it's been shocking. And the first lot of people, some of the people that reached out to me were from the Beeb. Um, you know, it was all the old BBC crowd. They were like some of the first lots of people to reach out to me. And they're not there anymore, but they've moved on. But they were like, oh my God, now we really understand why you disappeared. Like you were on every week and now then we couldn't, like you just stopped responding. Yeah, yeah And yeah. I was like, now they get it. And, and the scariest thing for me is learning how many other people have been through something difficult. So like your story, you told me. Yeah. Um, and then there's other people in our circle that have been through something. There's people mm. in my other friend circles that have been through things. There's people that have written to me and also to Alexi at Tortoise and said, this has happened to me. And I think Alexi talks about a couple of them. Um, um, I think we did a we did a, a, a thinking, which is on YouTube uh, with Tortoise. Um, he talks about some of the people there. There's one very similar case to me where it's a cousin as well. Um, it's really shocking how many people go through stuff, not just on this massive scale, but on the smaller scale, whether, yeah. it's be, whether it be online harm, whether it be coercive control by itself, Neither of them are acceptable. Joint, they're even worse. Um, and I just think, I hope that, okay, I've done this podcast. I had to take control over the narrative because otherwise the story could be so sensationalized and be told in such a wrong way um, that I was, okay, I work with Tortoise, a fairly small company, <laughs> um, media company, and uh, I didn't expect it to be what it's become. Um, but I was always very, very clear with Alexi from the start that um, there's no, like, by doing this podcast, there's no kind of revenge element, whatever. Whatever happens to the perpetrator, this is her, the consequences of her own actions. But I'm not out there to get her. Um, yeah. You know, what, what justice is justice, the consequences of her own actions. I've had to deal with the consequences of her actions on me. Yeah. She hasn't probably yet felt the consequences of her actions on her. And now it's happening or it might be happening. And I don't know how far that's going to go, but I'm not out there to, you know, I don't have, I don't have the energy or the fight in me to be bitter and vicious. And of course. just, you know, and one, I'm not that kind of person. I can't carry that burden around on me. Yeah. But I didn't want to, I can't carry, I couldn't carry the fear that I was walking around with me. Yeah you know that was walking that I was walking around with either um that was difficult the silence and the fear I couldn't do that that was really heavy on me but um there were four things that I wanted to wanted to if, if anything was going to happen with this podcast 
I want to talk about the policing, making sure police have better understanding of police and the law. You know, what is it around these things? How do you deal with these things? For so many people, and for me, so many men who speak out less than women. Yeah. Um, there's that whole sort of victim shaming, all of that, you know, that needs to go. Yeah. Um, there's that coercive control. It's a fairly new law. Um, not enough people are being prosecuted for it. But the impact on victims on coercive control is crazy. Um, and I don't think, unless you've been through it, that you can understand. And I think um, the groups, surprisingly, the groups that helped me, the people that I talked to um, were some online groups. And mm. one was about narcissism. One was about um, action against domestic violence. And there was one other, uh, a PTSD group. And it was people in those groups I didn't have to explain my story. I just explained a situation that I might have been in and immediately they'd get it, they'd get it, they'd get it. They'd, I didn't have to explain myself. There was no kind of anything because those people have experienced it. They get it just like you get it. Yeah, of course. Right? Um, so, and there's hundreds of thousands of people out there who haven't been believed, who have been victim shamed, who are really struggling with things. Um, and that coercive control element is is really really huge um so it's there are so many victims out there that need that you know we need to allow them to speak and believe them and trust them um because they've been through a trauma if i've ended up at a, at a police station upset it's because i am upset i've been through something listen to me don't yeah. ask me if i'm mentally unstable yeah you know that's which is what happened to me bad at dealing with these things aren't they yeah, it was terrible. Yeah. And then, um, so there's that, that um, social media accountability. In my situation, how was this one person able to have so many email accounts, so many profiles across multiple social channels? How did she do all of this? Um, there were situations where I know the other victims and I had both reported things. And this could have stopped earlier. Had they come back to us and said, this is the situation, yeah, right? Or reported it to the police or something. There needs to be something in place. How do we regulate it? Do we, do we regulate it? Why are we so scared of regulating things online? We do everything online. We need to regulate stuff. We need to yeah. know what's going on. Um, maybe we all need Bluetooth accounts. Me and Alexi had a massive discussion about this because he's like, no, I'm a journalist. I need it. And I'm like, well, you know what comes first but verified accounts why why doesn't everyone have a verified account why aren't everybody's account set on private why do you yeah. you know if you want a public account pay for it if you're that important mm. um there's lots of discussions to be had i'm not saying the solutions that i'm putting out there are correct i'm saying there's lots to think about yeah um because uneducated uninformed opinions are dangerous opinions um and I've had that a few days ago. We had a situation with UB1, UB2 posting yes. online. And UB1, UB2 is quite close to me, quite personal to me, because I'm slap bang in the middle of it. And they posted stuff which they hadn't verified. They hadn't listened to the podcast. And it was dangerous. And I'm like, I'm one of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And we had to handle that situation because 
which leads me on to my fourth issue, which is our brown community, South Asian community, how they deal with this kind of stuff, that turning you the cheek, just get on with it, reputation, our community, shame, this, that, all of that, that needs to stop. When yes. you've got another person in your community who's doing a bad thing, you need to get that rotten apple out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, completely. All that's happening, you keep that rotten apple in your barrel, and all you're doing is she's doing all you she's doing is rotting all the others. You become complicit by trying to cover her up. You're yes. all becoming rotten. Absolutely. Right? Um there's, there's the complacency wrong. that makes them complicit. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with we I think there's nothing embarrassing or shameful in saying that every community has their rotten apples, right? Yeah, if we were all one, there'd always be like a better one and a worse one. And I always say this like when we talk about Sikhi and faith and we have religious discussions. And I was like, if we were all Gursik, we're all baptized Sikh, then you'd still find better and worse baptized Sikh. It doesn't yeah, make a difference. Because yeah. people are people and, and some people, people. Yeah, human yeah. nature. Yeah. Um, so there is no shame in ousting your own. And I always feel that maybe. And the police had said to me, oh, if he, if the perpetrator was male, you would have had better luck. Wow. Wow. That's... I mean, if that doesn't tell you enough <laughs> right there and then and where we are in today's society, then unbelievable. Yeah. Well, we talk about having same-sex couples and all this abuse happens between same-sex couples as well, right? So yeah. why would you even say that? But but the thing is, it's not why would you say that? She's obviously telling the truth. It was a female police officer. but. That is the truth. Mm. It probably would be. It's it's a horrible thing to have to accept. Yeah, yeah. But it makes it so much harder to believe when it when you say it's another female, and especially when it's been done like how you know my story is. Of course. Um, it 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 it's a shocker, and the other shocker when it comes to that sexism thing is that nobody believed me until I had a middle aged successful man standing next to me, yeah. whether it be Amrit, whether it be my lawyer, whether it be. Alexi, Alexi, yeah. you know, it, it, it's that thing as well, which is like, I'm pretty articulate. I can tell my story, but you just don't want to believe me. Um, but going back to our community, our community can be the most vicious. 100%. Your own can be the most vicious. Um, our community don't listen to podcasts that much. I mean, the people that we that need to listen to them. Yeah. Yeah probably don't listen to them um and I know so I'm conscious of that but when it comes to sort of people like the Asian lad bible basically posting stuff mm. and then sticking photos of me everywhere it's like why are you victim shaming me I actually have to say why you know why are you victim shaming me and I think Amrit spoke up as well and like what are you doing brother listen to the podcast I think he's written um on Twitter <laughs> Um, misogyny that runs through our community that's the problem isn't it especially I think within our Punjabi community there's a there's oh, a, the Punjabi a strong community, of misogyny yeah. very very strong um and it's it's really really difficult to break down but I've I don't know I've it's been terrifying doing this podcast on that basis alone mm-hmm. and I don't mm-hmm. think I, I constantly with tortoise um myself and one of our media friends who's been helping me, the one that I was speaking about, um, have said, you know, 
Asian press, mm, you know, we're not yeah. like we're worried about doing that because of, we know how they respond. Mm. They don't actually listen. They don't understand the issues of today. It's like it's been out there for seven or eight weeks, which Asian press has picked it up. <laughs> yeah. Typical. Right. Um, um, it, it's kind of a it's a kind of a strange one in that sense. Um, but when this happened, they actually understood when because when, I, I immediately have a little quarters group um, and I messaged in the group to say within 20 minutes, like it's had uh, an Instagram post by them has had 200 likes and the comments aren't too good. Yeah. And I know some people who knew me had gone in and combated some of that, stuff, you know, or knew of me or listened yeah, to the podcast, yeah, went yeah. in to combat it, but uh, counter it or and and but it was like that night because I was quite like shaken I said, this is what I didn't want to happen yeah and they're not even press and exactly. um yeah. yeah but they you know they seem to be an authority within a local certain community um you know they've got like the, the followers in the five thousand. Five, uh, in five figures, sorry. So they've got thirty-six thousand followers. So imagine yeah. where that's going to go. Um, and I think I think one of the tortoise team came back to me and said, "You know, I finally understand what you meant." Yeah, of course, by our community for sure. Yeah, and and it, it makes me so sad because there's so much, as you know, as you know, because I think in so many ways, you you know, we're quite traditional in and we love our culture and of we course. love our community and we love so much about it it's these little things that spoil it yeah of course well they're not little things they're quite big things but they can really impact people's lives and and um cause a lot of damage yeah. um and i'm glad that i was strong enough to shut things down and people on there were also were like speaking up and i'm glad that we've done it the way that I have, that there is a lot of support out there. So when there isn't, is people are actually saying it themselves, like, but you need to listen. Yeah. Or so I'm not having to make those arguments. But one person actually said something silly and then was like, somebody else said, why don't you just ask her and tag me in? And they were like, I'm scared. I'm like, well, why are you scared? <laughs> I'm not that scary. I'm <laughs> maybe I am the fact that people are scared that I'm spoken about. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think I'm a scary person. I will say it how it is. You might not like it. Yeah. But no, I won't also, say it. People tend a to be ke- keyboard warriors when they actually have to face the person and say it to them themselves. That's why they're scared because <laughs> yeah. they just they don't they know that they can't just get away with saying whatever they want to say. They actually have to, you know, recognize the person in front of them and show them a little bit of respect. And they and you know people don't like having to do that that's the especially dudes you know going back to that especially it's especially it's men. misogyny again isn't yeah it? <laughs> kind of going back to misogyny um and that's that's when i'm saying it from a guy's perspective as well do you know what I mean it's like like with anything you can spout off as much as you want online on the twitter or on facebook and stuff and then when you're confronted by that same, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah absolutely and it's easy to mock and be like oh well you know she should have seen it coming or whatever but it can it literally can happen to anyone and it doesn't have to be about gender like for you you know it happened to you and it was done by a woman to you mm. and in, mm. in Keats' situation it was done by a woman to her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know like it's it's 
it can happen to anyone and it can be by anyone and it's not it doesn't it discriminates against nobody exactly and so yeah. and no one's immune to it exactly well, somebody yeah. i know fl- flew out to canada to meet a girl who didn't exist there you go exactly it's crazy what? you see you hear about all these instances you know with cat that term and I, I get what you meant about that term catfishing geeks and stuff and mm. you know, the way it is now where it's just become like a you know light-hearted yeah joke. exactly pop it's a, it's a pop culture reference almost you yeah know? exactly but, so it's not but the the actual the dark side of it yeah is horrific traumatic um and it's affected people are ashamed to speak about it exactly. and they don't get the help because they don't speak about it absolutely absolutely and what we so what we've done with our show over the course of the last four seasons is try to tackle all the issues taboos and topics within our community yeah. and try to normalize conversations and i think with especially this instance and we talk about coercive control but also the online harassment um and all of that yeah yeah and it's to try to start to normalize this because unfortunately the the age that we live in this is part and parcel of our society and it affects people outside of our community people within our community Mm. um and until we speak about it and discuss these things amongst each other and try to tackle why it's happening and you know specifically on the reasonings within you know the people the actual perpetrators themselves then how is how is anything going to change um and it's going to take generations for this to change because we're living in an age of of social media and 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 until there's like you said there's no real accountability for it either Mm -hmm. so it means it will continue to happen And, and it's from all walks of life from kids all the way up to like you know, people... We need to speak up. We yeah. need to make that change happen. And I've got to say, my lawyer, Yai, he wrote a book about um, policing the internet. And um, I did have a chance to read it. And there's some really, really strong arguments been made about that, about regulating the internet yeah. and why it's so important. I mean, he's an internet lawyer and I'm so lucky I found him. Um, he, him, Phyllis, Pradeep and their team, um, you know, it wasn't an easy case to deal with, Gervais, um, who was my um, barrister, my counsel. I mean, it wasn't an easy case to deal with. And by no means, I wasn't an easy person to deal with because I really dug my heels in to be like, no, you don't understand. This is the cultural thing. I know, the, you know, it's like, I know the family. We're not dealing with a stranger, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there were things like, you know, this is family. It's sensitive. Um I care about my family so mm. I didn't want this I wanted it to hurt as l- less people as possible mm. the fact that the, her names out there in the public domain wasn't my doing she yeah. allowed it to go so far that it got filed to court mm. yeah. um, and that's when your name's in the public domain people who want to find it will find it yeah that's not you know I had tried for a very long time to keep to to for it to not happen yeah. But then I think there was that kind of thing that I they know I love family and our community so much. They thought I wouldn't do that. She thought I wouldn't do that. Right, but, right. you know, I have to put myself first. Of course. Um, and that's what I did. And I think there was this really like thing where they just thought, here, it's not like that. She's not going to do that. She won't go that far. And I just 
that that whole faith thing in me was like, this is the truth. This is gonna, you you've got the truth on your side. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me it was like say by grew and just get on with it. You're dust and just just get on with it and and have faith. If you know you've done nothing wrong, somehow it's not gonna be easy, but somehow something good will come out of this. I didn't know what the good was gonna be, but if it means it helps other people, so be it. I want it to help people. I want people to speak up. You know, the fact that you've shared your story um that it happened to you you know so many people coming out there saying it happened to me I just it hurts it hurts I had somebody from school um a girl I knew from school reach out to me saying something and I was like you know she was like until I heard the podcast and heard you I didn't think I was going to go to the police but I think I'm going to now or you know and I'm like I'll come with you if you need me to but I'm so glad you reached out you know um it just makes me feel like really like okay it's one person it might have helped um but I've, I've got to I've got to go back and say a big shout out to UB1 UB2 because they did take those down and good. that's good I did say to them do you know something next time just if you want to speak to me speak to me don't yeah, just put course, stuff up there I'm here I'm here I'm saying to you speak to me don't guess you're one of their community <laughs> so, do you know what I mean like that's the thing yeah I'm there for you I did do a shout out on radio the next day as well two yeah, days later yeah. whenever I went on radio so it's not there's no hard feelings yeah there's no like I hate you for doing this or how dare you there's no it's it's a learning process of course yeah. like of please course. learn from this you know it, you're hurting people you're yeah. impacting people's lives it's not a joke um so you know you probably noticed not said the perpetrator's name yeah, it's yeah. difficult for me to say she's family mm. like hey that you saw my face probably because we're on a zoom <laughs> call um but she, i don't see her as family anymore because family don't do that to you of course but you know we are connected by family and it impacts everybody there of course. it's hard for me it hurts it hurts when I mean, you hear my dad on that last pod- on that last yes. episode in the podcast you know like he's old school it you know he's torn of course yeah completely completely that generation I think, I think all our parents would be the same wouldn't they exactly i was about to say because how, how are you supposed to deal with this situation it, it's something that you wouldn't fathom them ever having to like encounter potentially as well um and and i know from i know my dad's side we've spoken of, on the show previously about jojo b's dad and that family is everything to them they literally have nothing else in life apart from yeah. those relationships with your family and when anything comes in to potentially disrupt that or jeopardize that they don't know what to do and they've always ca- tried to keep the peace exactly yeah peacekeepers yeah keep the peace with them within the family and i know my dad attended a funeral the other day and i'm like mm, that's connected to the real bobby's family Wow, okay. And I was okay. like, oh my God, what's going to happen when he goes and anyone goes to say, he, he hasn't come back and said anything to me, but I'm sure people might have said something. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's like, you know, it's very hard, even in my house, to speak about because I wasn't the only victim. Lots of people in my family and my friends, like my closest at Harvey, were speaking to Bobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? But they're yeah. all victims and they all have felt it. And and a bit of me feels guilty about that too, but I can't be held. I, I shouldn't hold that guilt. I should be her. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. Right. So that's where I kind of refuse, but I do feel like I need to look after everybody. <laughs> I mean, that, so, that's just, you just need to look after yourself. Man. Exactly. Yeah, I, I know. Think, I know. But yeah. I think go, going you know forward, I mean. yeah, I know completely, but I think going forward now in your life, it's all about looking out for number one. I know it's that you spent 40 odd years of your life looking out for other people. And I think now going forward, like your life should be paramount. And the steps you've taken to reclaim your life, you know, has been hugely commendable. Um, and being open, honest, and brave enough to speak about your story um, and lay yourself out there in the world, you know, with no filters and with without any restrictions um has been a hugely brave thing and i think the the legacy of this case and as groundbreaking as it is is the fact that people are talking about it and the fact that people are able to share their stories yeah. people that have gone through things that are very similar to it i wouldn't have ever spoken about this no because you buried it you told I me once and we this. never spoke about yeah. it again i said um that's a part of my past and i don't really want to bring that back up again that's yeah. then i've moved on with my life and my life has progressed since then but in in this whole situation and because of sweet bobby it's enabled me to talk about this after so many years and to hopefully get people potentially listening into this show to do the same mm. with us because we need you know all of these people that are involved myself and keeks included we've all been victims of this yeah um and you and know you did nothing wrong and it, well, absolutely and you know all we did basically was give someone else a voice and, a, and an ear to listen to and yeah. unfortunately there will be people in the world that take advantage of that yeah and so going forward we as a collective community need to do more and 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 eradicate this from happening you know within our circles support the victims when it does happen exactly from from friends from family from all the people in the close circles that you all have that circle of trust which is getting smaller and smaller but having those people with you and and are able to live this with you and able to move on forward with you i think is is incredibly important yeah. and so for us it was amazing to have you here with us keeks to like to i know it's, it's very difficult for you to to speak about this i know you said to relive the story but it's important for us to be able to connect again after all these years um and and still be able to put a smile on each other's faces talking about those old days um and i know yeah we're you know Ages, age is but a number, you know. I know. We're I still, still we're, feel we're still like a, I can still party. Exactly. Still well, like that same. You might be able to. Like, I'm, I've got. I'll probably dislocate a hip every now and then. Like, if I start to get on the dance floor and that, um, I'm, I'm more cocoa on the sofa than like getting a glassy in a in a bar. Although I say that, I think if you throw me in an environment, I think, yeah. I think, I think, I think it's in a sink or swim, I'll be more than happy to. Party so, exactly, exactly. So, or even the, just like be rowdy around a table like, over dinner. Absolutely, absolutely, that I can do. Clubs and stuff to see Joe and leave me at home. <laughs> oh, she's younger than <laughs> I, us. I can't be bothered with clubs and stuff anymore. But if you ever want to get around <gasps> rowdy around a table, then that, I'm here. You know, oh, kids don't party like we used to. Absolutely not. 
hundred percent and stuff. Our generation were the last real party goers, and we'll still show these kids how it's done, even in our forties. Oh my gosh! But you know, my, my younger cousins can't handle it. They're like, "What the hell?" Honestly, yeah, <laughs> they they haven't they haven't lived unless they've got smashed at the end of a night in Notting Hill Arts Club, and then having to walk to the local bagel joint. And and certain devour a bagel at like three in the morning. Scream at them the in the car as I drive them home. And yeah, say, yeah, don't make mess in my car. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I I was also a designated driver back then because I wasn't drinking too much back in those days. So I used to get the night bus home from Notting Hill Ooh. all the way back to North London. Two Jeez. night buses. Oh my days. Sometimes on my own. <laughs> I mean, it's not sensible living. Not sensible not living. Sensible. Yeah, the kids are a bit more sensible. Is, than we no, are. it should be. No, yeah, they're very sensible. It should be safe, though, right? We shouldn't think. be scared. But that's another think. conversation. Yeah, exactly. you think. But we, so, yeah. we, we need to reconnect more now going forward for 2022. As soon as life allows it, the Rago crew yeah. will be back. Get them back. <laughs> back Branch. in vengeance with their walking, with our walking with sticks and our zoomer frames. Yeah. We'll still show these youngins how it's done. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, dear. McKeeks, it's been an absolute pleasure. Like, just give us a brief, um, what's what's next? Are you allowed to say what's next potentially in the pipeline for Kirat Asi? I don't know. Um, I'm trying. To... There's the police, police stuff going on. Um there's bits of work that I've been doing. Um, I don't know. There's lots of stuff coming at me. The podcast is doing well globally. It's number one in Australia, number seven in Canada. Obviously, it was like right at the top in the US. It's charted in India now as well. Oh, wow. Um, Amazing. So it's all a bit crazy at the moment. Um, I'm Like I said, I'm just taking a day at a time. Of course. And I'm trying to squeeze like, uh, I don't have like a, a job. I don't work for somebody. I work for myself. I'm a freelance so yeah. trying to do my work in between all of this to earn a living still is has been crazy. Um, so I try to do that. And I just I think I just yeah, literally take it a day at a time. Yeah. I've had some lovely people. Um, if, you, if you go on Twitter, like lots of people, amazing people reach out to me, including Aman and um, Thejpal, who were on your podcast. Big up. Yeah. Um, Shout out to the UK PHA. They've been Big lovely. I do, did some. I've been doing some work with UKPHA in, in the last three years. Um, yeah, I, I've done so. On Friday, I did um, part of EJAC, um, which is a domestic okay. abuse covenant. Um, so I'm part of that. I'm doing some work with them. Um, yes, loads of just loads of little projects going on, and I'm trying to squeeze them in because I never thought this podcast would be as crazy as it has been and take yeah. over my life. But um, I will let you know. Yeah, Obviously, fantastic. I will keep you posted. <laughs> I'm back you. on radio. I'm just, just Amazing. doing what I do. Yeah, Big I'm trying up. to just do what I need to do. Thank you. No, 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 and that's exactly what it is. I think taking each day as, as it comes, embracing life is is the way to embrace life. Uh, and you never COVID's know what not been easy. COVID. I mean, COVID over the last two years, doing this while COVID's been here, this lockdown, it has been the most difficult thing. Of course, to do. Yeah. yes, yes. Because I didn't see my lawyers face to face for most of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just having that positive mindset, doing what we need to do, reconnecting with people at the moment and just really being grateful for everybody that's reaching out, that's connecting. So thank you. If you listen to the podcast, thank you. If you have questions, tweet me. 
whatever. <laughs> yes, indeed. No, 100%. Um, and it's, yeah, for, for us, it's been an absolute pleasure having you join us. Um, sorry we couldn't do it together in person, but for 2022, let's let's not, you know, ensure that the next time we speak is over a, over a Zoom call and stuff like that, and we can, we're able to see each other in person Fingers and actually crossed. connect yeah. and get, yeah, get properly grubbed up in a restaurant around a rowdy table <laughs> or in a nightclub near you going forward. No, nightclub near me, okay, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, there aren't any, but yeah. Okay. The thing, exactly. We have to make one. We have to bring spotlight back and get oh, everyone dude. back together again. That um, is something we're thinking about. I'm thinking about the corner, yeah. <laughs> That is actually something I'm thinking about. Oh, amazing. Okay. Exclusive. Soup, soup, soup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is something oh. I'm giving some thought to. Fantastic. Well, I would, you'll definitely see us there. Um, you know, <laughs> well, hello, high water. <laughs> <laughs> make sure of that oh. but Keeks right. it's been an absolute pleasure so thank you so much for joining us here on the Native Immigrants thank you oh, no thank you lots of love to you and I'm so glad we reconnected yes indeed um, well that is it from this bonus episode of the Native it's been an actually it's been an emotional one it really has yeah it's been a cathartic session uh, for us all here um, but as always, um, I encourage you all, if you haven't already, and if you if you haven't listened to it after this this two hour chat, basically with good geeks, you have no idea what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So please have listened to it first and then come to us. Yeah, life. please. I encourage you all to please listen to the Sweet Bobby podcast series. Massive, massive shout out to Alexi and all the team at Tortoise Media for an incredible job in putting this story together. Um, I, I I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. It's it's up there with Native Immigrants as one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. Absolutely. So um, I <laughs> yeah, please. Alexi do listen. listens all the time. By the way, sorry, I thought I'd just say that. Big no. up, yep. big yeah, up, big Martin. up, Alexi. Yeah, big up. Um, but yeah, thank you all so much to everyone that's listening to this bonus episode. This is officially the last episode of this season now. Yep. So we're going to say Happy Christmas, Happy New Year, uh, yep. Happy Aww. Kwanzaa. See you in 2022, and we'll catch you all in 2022. So from me, Swami Barakas, and me, Jojo B, we'll see you all next year, people. Peace. See you.